Hello everybody and welcome to issue 440, oh god I need to say 140 then, that would have been time travelling, uh, Jet Force Gemini. Indeed it is a rare game and indeed I have been um, well thrusted upon into the hosting chair to um, to rescue all the tribals. Uh, yeah, across the level you will mind the tribals is a quote from Jet Force Gemini there. And joining me on this issue we have Mikhail Croder. This is the rhythm of the tribal dance. <laughs> cool. <laughs> and uh, Brian Edwards. I don't know what to do with that. I can't. I was. I had a whole thing. I was going to talk about Vela, and I. Just, it's gone now. I just. I am still just swimming in the voice of McKeel. So thank you very much for having me. Was it Rule Thirty Four? Is it? Or was it Thirty Six? I can't remember which rule it is for the internet, but basically, it's some kind of rule. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There, there, there are some stuff. Anyway, uh, yeah, hello and welcome to um, the Jet Force Gemini podcast for Kane and Rince. Um, yeah, it's been a while since we've done a rare game, I do believe. I can't even remember the last time I was here in the hosting chair doing it. And uh, it is. I'm surprised we haven't done this one sooner. Jet Force, yeah, you know, yeah, I think I'm only allowed to do one rare game uh, a volume. And, uh, you know, it, 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 we've done all the good ones. So. <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh, oh, dearie me. Uh, spoiler, we're up top. Jet Force Gemini, then. Developer, Rare Limited, of course, back in its heyday during the golden era of um, of the N64 and of the studio itself. Uh, the game was inspired by 80s arcade games and more recent titles of the time, such as Super Metroid and Mario 64. Jet Force Gemini blends elements of both shoot-em-up and action-adventure games. Works such as Aliens, Stargate and Battle of the Planets were also major influences. The game received generally positive reviews from critics, Praise was given to its detailed graphics and lifespan, while, crit while criticism was targeted at its confusing controls and insistence of having to save every tribal. I mean, th 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 it was praised for having a good lifespan and then criticised for having to save every tribal. I mean... Praised for having a good lifespan, criticised for having a good lifespan. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, it was criticised for having to save every tribal to fully complete the game. In mm -hmm. 2015, Jet Force Gemini was also included as part of Rare Replay on the Xbox One system. Uh, the publisher was rare itself, with obviously Nintendo behind them. Yeah, and the Jet Force Gemini team, you know, it was it was quite a small team as they all were, really, the Barnes back then. It wasn't, you know, it wasn't the hundreds it is now. You know, some names you might know, there's names that you might not know. Um, yeah, we have Martin Wakeley on the game design and uh, on the art and graphics. We have Paul Cunningham, Neil Gallagher, Stephen Hall, Brian Smith, Lee Musgrave and Stephen McFarlane. And then uh, the, on the music, we have Robin Beanland, uh, Alastair, Lindsay, Alastair Lindsay, and Graham Norgate. Those two, either side of Alastair there, are probably the most famous of the lot so far. And then on the QA, I'm going to point out some names because there are people that I do like. Uh, David Wong, good guy. And uh, Mark Betteridge and Mark Edmonds actually went on to make games uh, later on, you know, in more of a developer role. Same as Gavin Price. Gary Phelps is, um, yeah, he's, he's a weirdo. And uh, Luke Munton, <laughs> yeah, yeah, good guys, good guys in there, and uh, mm. yeah, it's good to that. Big up the QA is what I'm saying. And the voices, um, Alastair Lindsay again, and Neil Gallagher again, and Evelyn Fisher, which is obviously the perfect dark lady, yeah. and um, and a composer in her own right, of course. That's right, yeah, mm -hmm. Donkey Kong Country Three and all that. Yeah. And then we have got some production by Lee Loveday, which is basically he writes the words, and um, yeah, and then producer uh, Tim and Chris Damper is. As you'd expect, really, because at the time they held the keys to the kingdom. So it was first released on the N64 in the in, uh, it was first released on the N64 in the Americas on October the 11th, 1999, and we had to wait 
about 18 days later in the um in the eu to get it the rest of the world i don't know i weren't there but you know if you do know <laughs> I, I don't care <laughs> and then on the xbox one via rare replay august 4th 2015 that was a, a worldwide um well for me uh, a phenomenon so yeah i was absolutely busting at the bit to uh to rare um not rare to rampage through um to tear through it uh on the on the xbox one in well not 16 by 9 but in glorious um high definition which is and the reviews were averaging about 80 on metacritic and um imdb's a bit lower and metacritic um, and the user reviews sorry on imdb are a bit lower and on metacritic the user reviews are a bit higher than eight so yeah it kind of floats around the seven and eight mark it sold about 1.16 million n64 cartridges that's a lot of plastic and before we get into our histories I'd like to just uh, give a little shout out to Chameleon Games' spiritual sequel to Jet Force Gemini. It's out now on Steam. It should be coming to consoles, whether it sells well on Steam or not, I guess, is that's how it works. It's called Tamarin, Tamarin. And um, yeah, basically, it's like a little squirrel, which is actually the name of the, of the species, like a little squirrel thing. And uh, it runs around with a gun in levels that look very similar to Jet Force Gemini. And you shoot the ants like Jet Force Gemini and uh, the doors open. It has a green and a red light next to the exits and entrances. Like Jet Force Gemini, so yeah, they're clearly going for it. I don't know exactly who works on this game or worked on this game, but you can clearly tell that they were they were going for that vibe. And um, yeah, good luck to them. Why not? Eh? Why not? Mm. So our histories with the game. Um, yeah, so I'm going to start off because I don't really remember when I got Jet Force Gemini. I'm assuming it was day and date with the European launch. Um, I, I don't think I ended. Up, I didn't import this one. I wasn't as you know, feverish for this game as as other kind of rare games in the previous and, and latter years. And I'm not really too sure why, you know, anything with that rare logo definitely had me, you know, absolutely wanting it straight away. But this one, I was just like, you know what, I, I can wait for this. And I think I ended up getting it on the 64, you know, um, on the October 29th release date. Um, yeah, again, I don't remember much about it. Um, I played through it on the N64 and um, my my group of friends back then, Definitely stopped at the, inf you know, the famous infamous tribal, um, you know, moment, but I pushed through and ended up finishing it. And then I refinished it in 2015 or there or thereabouts to, um, on the Xbox one. Didn't find it as, as much of a obstacle this time around for some reason, I guess uh, the, the expectation of, or the, the surprise of the tribals. I know we're talking about it already meant the game felt a lot longer but going into it knowing that i was like you know what i'm ready for this and you kind of plan for it and you know you, you kind of understand what the game is uh, it took me a lot less time about 13 12 to 13 hours and that was me kind of messing around as well a little bit so yeah a definite quicker playthrough this time around on the uh, xbox one um yeah so again kind of a bit of a hazy memory on this one it doesn't seem to stick in at all whereas games like perfect dark and banjo kazooie and all that i remember exactly when i was when i got them jet force gemini yeah it was just it was just there and i played it so what about you brian yeah i was a i'm not as big of an uh kind of a rare fan as as you talk about darren but i i was very much on that rare train of the mid 90s like i was mm. just absolutely adored the donkey kong country series on super nintendo and then when i got an n64 i was lucky enough to get one um for christmas that year my parents snagged one for me um and i was about uh 13 years old at the time and i had 
you know, I just I just went through the rare catalog as through the N sixty four years between Goldeneye and Diddy Kong Racing, which I still adore, and Banjo Kazooie, and and so when Jeff Force Gemini came out and I saw the rare logo on it, it was one of those things mm-hmm. like in the magazines leading up to it that like I just knew I kind of had to have it just because I wanted to because to me just rare was the developer getting the most out of N sixty four that wasn't Nintendo, so mm-hmm. I just wanted everything they put out, and uh, yeah, so I got it day and date as well uh, in the U S. Um, I didn't really. I don't really think I knew what I was getting into. I think I just kind of had those stars in my eyes of just being like, "Oh, new rare game. Let's get it and play it." Um, so I, I don't remember completing it as a kid. If I if I did, it definitely wasn't um, the full. T- I didn't go full tribal <laughs> as as we'll talk about <laughs> later. Um, uh, but I did go back to my N sixty four cartridge that I have on my on my shelf, and I I did still have an active save file. So I played around with that a little bit. Um, kind of re you know leading up to the show refamiliarizing with it and then i played through almost the entirety of the game on emulation uh before the show um i didn't quite get every single tribal before uh, before recording uh, i do have to admit but um i was very very close very down to the wire mm. on getting that so um but yeah i uh yeah i was i was day one and then um as we'll talk about throughout the course of the show my my enthusiasm for the game kind of uh, waned a bit once i started playing a little bit more Hmm. Interesting. And Mikkel, how about you, my friend? Yeah, in 1999, um, the N64 was the only console I had at home. Um, I think my PC was getting on and I didn't have a 3D graphics card either. Uh, So pretty much exclusively gaming on the N64, buying all the magazines and seeing what what was coming out next. And um, so, you know, in 19... 98 the big games of the fall slash holiday season were uh Turok 2 uh Ocarina of Time of course mm. and F-Zero X I think and this year in 1999 it was um Shadow Man Donkey Kong 64 if I'm oh. not mistaken and <laughs> Jet Force Gemini so uh. those were the, the three big ones uh let's say wow Shadow Man, there. Shadow Man, yeah. (laughs) I have, I have, um, I can see the floating purple skulls in my head when you say the name Shadow Man. (laughs) (laughs) Such an atmospheric game, but that's neither here nor there. So, and you know, like of course, I was buying all the magazines, so I saw you see a lot of early development screenshots and everything. So you 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 really got to sort of follow the development uh, of those games through magazine features and previews in the in Mm. those days, right? Like. uh, we oh, sort of absolutely. saw how it uh, evolved from the sort of uh, very cute chibi style into something a little bit more. I don't know. I guess the char- it was mainly the characters that they changed, uh, like the 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 main characters. They uh, sort of uh, yeah increased their their height and their That's uh, right, yeah. their, their their age. Um, so and and you know being having fallen in love with uh with arcade games first and foremost and being all in over games like uh, contra and everything and seeing the screenshots and seeing some early videos on uh you know ign64 and uh, old websites like that uh when you when you see like formations of drones flying around it's, yeah. it felt very shoot 'em up you know it mm-hmm. felt very oh like you know and and we didn't really get a lot of that sort of thing on the N64. Uh, so it felt like, oh, I could re- I was getting pretty hyped for this game, actually. I was uh, I was all up for it. Like, oh, I really want to play something like this again. Something very, you know, high-octane action-like with, uh, with a lot of stuff to shoot and a lot of stuff to blow up in quick mm. succession. Um, 
So I was I was all all in for this one, and I when I got it, I played the hell out of it. I think yeah, uh, I think I even played. It might be that I uh, got uh, DK sixty four a little bit. No, I think I got it around the same time. But I definitely played uh, Jet Force Gemini a lot more in favor uh, of Donkey Kong sixty four, and you know it was it was really great. Uh, I, it kind of met my expectations up to a certain degree and we'll really go into the nitty-gritty of that like where the game fell short for me but overall i had very warm feelings for this game and i really enjoyed a lot i enjoyed it a lot and i really loved the viscerality of the time of the action like you know letting your gun spray everywhere and seeing bug parts fly all over the screen and splat and uh, and all that stuff i was really having a, a great time and the different planets had a lot of uh, you know, I had really good atmosphere. Uh, but yeah, at some point, I cooled down on the game quite a bit. Um, and for this recording, I went back to my uh, original save file. I, I played the opening game, uh, the opening session of the game a little bit, uh, you know, starting a new save file just to get a feeling of what, what it was like to start this game all over again. Mm. And I went back to my uh, save file today to see uh, where I got. And I actually, in my mind... I sort of gave up after the first time you meet Mizar and didn't really bother with finding all the tribals. But to my mm. surprise, I had actually found all the tribals in the game except for six on the on the Ikra hmm. military base, which ah, is, okay. I remember. And then it started coming back to me like, oh, I know why I never got all the tribals here because some of them in this on this uh, level, they're play the, tri the tribals are placed in positions that if you enter a room and you don't immediately take care of certain threats yeah. in a clean in yeah. a clean way, not with rocket launches or grenades or anything like that, those tribals are gone pretty much, and you yeah, have to play the whole level over, all over again yeah. from uh, from from the beginning. So I remembered like, oh, okay, I get why I never got the tribals in this particular section of the game. Hmm. But uh, yeah, that's as far as I got six six tribals uh, to go uh, until I uh, can uh, defeat the. Uh, the the actual final boss yeah mm. right let's hear from a forum post of which we have two for jet force gemini uh, the first one is from ben uh, 77 million I, I guess that's how you call it i don't know seven seven and then a bunch of zeros i haven't played uh, jet force gemini since i was about 12 and i'm hesitant to go back to it not only due to the nature of these early 3d controls but also because i don't want to taint my memories of it this was as immersive a world to me as ocarina of time and I remember being astonished by the level of detail Rare had imbued in this universe. Uh, my backlog is such now that I rarely spend time appreciating the minor touches that make all the differences and that this game has in abundance. The intricate weapon animations that you could watch in the menus and the flies buzzing around the bodies of the ants you gunned down and the creepy backstory for the Torfret bog lent this game massive amounts of personality. My younger brother and I played this game together with him as Floyd but we stopped shortly after beating Miser's first form. At the time, I didn't realise we had only scratched the surface of the game, but simply getting that far felt like an enormous achievement. The achievement seemed greater in hindsight since we didn't know it was possible to strafe until the giant B-Boss fight at the end of Vela's campaign. That's called a Lurg, the B-Boss, I think. Mm. We tried dozens of times to clear the B-Boss, but assuming all the while that the only way to avoid damage was to jump at the right moment, and it wasn't until I mashed the controller out of sheer frustration that I noticed Vela had actually moved from the strafing spot on the narrow platform. 
We'd somehow managed to clear all of Juno's campaign and most of Vela's without using C left or C right. <laughs> I'd found it strange that the game forced you to stand still and take countless hits whenever you wanted to aim properly, but my 12-year-old mind didn't know what strafing was, much less think to try it. Whenever I revisit the main theme, its rousing blast of horns takes me back 20 years to a universe that was in, as inviting as it was intimidating. The prospect of revisiting the Force Collectathon that comprises the second half of the game fills me with dread, but it might just be worth the trouble if it means settling my decades-old score with Miser. <laughs> so yeah, two massive points there. We've mentioned the tri troubles enough, and we will get to it. Mm. Um, but if, I think if you're here for this pod, you kind of know what you're uh, already getting into. We're not going to get halfway through this pod and ask you to like listen to it again. That's not what we're going to do. Don't worry about that. We're fine. <laughs> but um, yeah, also the, the controls is a massive sticking point, the analog sticking point, um, because they are a bit odd and you know they're, they're trying to mash two kind of genres together here with the um you know the the kind of third person shooting and the third person platforming and mm. you know even with the revamped controls on xbox one um on rare replay still just doesn't feel 100 percent like it and i think the n64 controller is a you know is from an alien planet and uh yeah you know it, um it makes games feel weird when you try and remap it to other controllers mm -hmm. it's had its success before you know we've just had mario 64 on the switch and it, it plays fine but not like the n64 and it really is you know a, a beast on unto its own like you can't really like recapture that magic and um jet force gemini you know it really kind of hammers home just how yeah unique and you know um unorthodox is probably the word the better word i'd rather use is um unorthodox it's just it's a strange control scheme and you know yeah. and it's not which i personally don't mind i don't mind control schemes that are different no not at as all as long as yeah. you can get used to them and yeah mm -hmm. they feel good at to a certain point and you know uh i think definitely when i was playing the game full swing i didn't have any issues with them anymore and there isn't a whole lot of real platform you have to do in it uh where you have to press up on the the c buttons or, mm. or anything like that yeah, you know, and uh, you know, the, later on in the game, you do get jetpacks and kind of things to hover yep. and abilities to kind of, in a in a in a very light Metroid kind of way, you do get you know abilities to come back to places, and it makes it kind of a little bit easier to navigate. And it's, yeah, you know, um, but in true rare fashion, like it seems to be like they're strafing and turning at the same time seems to give the characters an extra kind of push. Like in Perfect Dark, if you were to strafe and yeah. turn at the same time, you get this kind of momentum. And yeah. Gemini yeah. is definitely, um, yeah part of that kind of crazy it's a very strange um feeling but once you get into the motion of it yeah you, you're definitely um especially as like lupus the um the little doggy in a tank once you start doing that and tilting up his little tracks and stuff yeah there's definitely a flow to that game where it kind of helps but first before before we get into that we seem to be rushing ahead let's calm down <laughs> chill out <laughs> development history right the game was developed by the uh, the blast core team which mm -hmm. is you know you can kind of feel the kind of the same kind of aesthetics in there that you know yeah Blastcore ended up in space, and you know, I'm, I'm 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 surprised we didn't see a backlash in Jet Force Gemini somewhere lurking around, you know, just for a yeah. bit of trolling. <laughs> but most of the characters in the game, as you said, Mikel, earlier on, were um were you know they were they were smaller, they were chibi, they were SD, I guess, in some form, because I guess Rare wanted to fit in with the console's seemingly you know target audience of of you know younger kids and children. Um, yeah. but Shigeru Miyamoto said, "Yo, what you doing?" These kids have got guns, and they had to make the um the, yeah. the kids grow up. And I I prefer them how they look now because if you mm. look back at when they used to look like, they it just didn't seem right. They had a completely different aesthetic for the costumes, and they just. I didn't... still think it seems it seems like an, to me it feels like an odd complaint because I would 
I, at that time, I compared him to something like Mega Man, you know, who's all, who also mm. looks like a little kid and he's shooting an arm cannon. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It, was, it wasn't really odd to me, uh, the way they looked. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, uh, I, I don't know if, if Lupus was a puppy and they said, yeah, man, you've got to grow that dog up as well because <laughs> having a dog running around with a, with yeah. a gun on its back, you know. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so the scenario and story for Jet Force Gemini, it revolves around the galactic law enforcement team Jet Force Gemini, if you didn't know, uh, attempted to stop a horde of drones, uh, basically ants, led by yeah. an insectoid called Mizar. The team are, is composed of Juno, the boy, Vela, the girl, and their war dog mascot, Lupus. The game begins with three characters in orbit around the planet Goldwood, after barely escaping the destruction of the entire Jet Force fleet at the hands of Mizar, who has been capturing and enslaving a race survivors known as the tribals so they can scrub the floor in the spaceships that's it <laughs> yep what they do yeah so the characters as we just mentioned there we have uh, juno who was he had the ability to fire walk through like lava areas and other such things uh, vela could swim underwater uh, she also has a ridiculous short skirt and uh, we'll, we'll move swiftly on and lupus is a hovering tank um which is great uh, you know he's a dog at first and then he gets the ability to kind of hover in this little tank mode and it's just one of the the coolest things you'll ever see and as in the forum post before, we had um, a mention of Floyd, which is a little robot you end up finding about a third of the way through the game, maybe sooner, maybe later, I can't quite remember. But ahead of Super Mario Sunshine and Galaxy and all these two-player modes that aren't really two-player yeah. modes, they're kind of co like modes. Assist mode, right? Assist yeah. mode, thank you very much. Yeah, uh, Jet Force Gemini was leading the charge with um, a rather yeah. handy Floyd mode, we'll call it. And uh, yeah, I'd, I'd never really got into the two-player co-op at the time because it seemed, you know... Uh, I, I did a bit of it and it makes the game a lot easier because you basically mm -hmm. have a second gun flying around with you because if you play the game uh, single player Floyd doesn't shoot anything he just ah, warns you of, yeah, uh, just of beeps, impending yeah. danger yeah but uh, if you you basically have a second gun flying around with you with uh, unlimited ammo oh that's yeah, brilliant I, I, I thought remember my, uh, my, my brother getting super annoyed with me because uh, he's five years older than I was and all he'd want to do is play Goldeneye or, or Knockout Kings or something like that and I'd be begging him to take over as Floyd to help me get through yeah. some of these stages no, like no, oh, yeah. give me 20 minutes come on now, just help me play Floyd and then I, you can destroy me in Goldeneye or something but like yeah because oh, uh, yeah, yeah it did make those some of those later stages where um, and as the aforementioned correspondent said about um or no, the correspondence, you said it, McKeel, about how some of those levels you need to be precise and clean in order to save all yeah. the tribals going in. So um, so I beg my brother to be Floyd. <laughs> yeah, exactly. There's, there's a chance for um, trolling there, isn't there, where your brother just pops one of the um, tribal's heads off. Oh, That's, absolutely. That must yeah. have happened. Uh, I, I, if it didn't, if, if I don't remember specifically happening, but knowing him, it absolutely happened. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and then there'd be dead arms and all sorts. And uh, yeah, all sorts. Uh, so. You have a uh, King Jeff, who's he's the he's the king of the tribals, and now I couldn't quite find this guy's name, but it's it's the green guy who kind of squeaks at you when you land on the planet. He looks a bit like Yoda, but he's not. Um, I couldn't find his name anywhere, and I wasn't probably looking hard enough because I'm sure I could find it. But yeah, the game is full of kind of well, I mean, there's Floyd the Droid, which kind of like it sets the tone really. Um, yeah, yeah. His it, name is robots. Midge. Midge, thank Midge, you. Yeah, yeah. It's, um, he's, yeah, it's full of aliens, it's full of robots, it's full of things that are um, kind of influenced by sci-fi things you've seen before, you know. Yeah, lots um, of Star Wars in there. Yeah, definitely, absolutely. And, uh, you know, you, you can you can clearly tell that it's, 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 it's got its own vibe, don't get me wrong, but you can clearly tell that it's, it loves what it's influenced by and, uh, you know, there's no harm in that. Hmm. So 
these characters as you um, go through these levels again and again and again, <laughs> you know, to save these tribals, whether it's your fault, whether it's the game's fault, or <laughs> whether it's just a bit of bad, uh, I guess RNG is not the right term, but yeah, if you lose a tribal because of a tri-rocket's gone off at the wrong angle, then yeah, you know, sometimes it's just bad luck. But the levels uh, in the game, you know, there's, there's quite a few and they all have kind of sub areas. So you have Goldwood. Now, some of these levels are anagrams and it took me a little while to work it out and maybe a bit of help from someone who works at the company but yeah i, I can't say them on this podcast because we are a clean podcast now yeah um, but tall threat is an anagram for something uh riff essa is uh another anagram for something even worse and yeah. eshibone is the final anagram which is just that don't even ask yeah that, so we, that might be the worst one that, i think that's that is it's really one. hard oh, to yeah. believe that this is the company that went on to develop conquer's bad fur day after seeing some of these <laughs> it's really difficult to see the connection <laughs> uh, yeah so you've got eshibone you've got abandoned space station icor cerulean i'm going to say that um and walkway and gem quarry now these levels you know it might not seem like there's a lot there but from what i remember recently and not so recently of, of jet force gemini is that these levels are absolutely teeming with things to explore mm-hmm. and kind of um, yeah. play play around was probably not it's probably too strong a word but you know that there are things to do within each sub area of, of of these levels beyond rescue the tribals you know and I seem to remember landing on a planet and just kind of thinking well this is completely different to the last one and um, yeah. I'm absolutely loving kind of like the the, the globe not globe trotting but like more like space trotting kind of mm-hmm. oh yeah. You know, you know the nature of it all. The only thing I could think of when I went back to this uh, recently to play it is like I, I saw a lot of what Ratchet and Clank ends up becoming coming from oh, yeah. this game. Hmm. Um, like, 100%. yeah, like like when when you first land on like that first planet, uh, Goldwood, I believe, right? That's the first world. Yeah, um, that's right. So I'm playing on emulation and I, I land and I'm like, oh, I'm just going to run through the first level. And then that first open area you come to, you kind of shooting the bugs. Everything's going fine. And then it branches off and there's three paths and there's a door with a key. And then there's a door at the top of a mountain. I can't get mm-hmm. to the top yet. And I'm, I'm like, yeah. man, I don't remember a lot of this. And then I kind of go through the next few doors and I, I get the machine. And then I start remembering like how vast and intricate some of these worlds are and how much yeah. there really is to explore and do. And especially in the context of the Nintendo 64's heyday, like like big areas with actual things to find in them were unique and like really, really fun. Like I remember um, it's another rare game, but like that first time you realize the overworld in Banjo-Kazooie had like more to it than, let's say, like the castle in Super Mario 64. And you're like, mm. like your, your, your brain starts like compounding the potential of what could be in this game. And that's the way yeah. I felt with Jeff Fort Gemini, even revisiting it. I'm like, wow, this is really kind of, like it is really kind of expansive in a way. I I I guess I probably just didn't appreciate it at the time. Yeah, yeah, and you hit the nail on the head there. I think I mean the developers uh, Insomniac of uh, Ratchet and Clank must have been so influenced by this game. Yeah, there's no yeah, doubt I'd about never, it. I'd never really put the two together, but you're right. You know. Yeah. Also, even with the the, the ridiculous uh, chunky guns, you know, the, the, yeah, the arsenal absolutely. that you carry around with all yeah. the yeah all the, all the uh, different applications. Yeah, I think. A lot of the locations you visit and revisit in this game are very atmospheric. Uh, Tafret comes to mind, of course, that boggy uh, planet, mm-hmm. but a lot of other places as well. And yeah, I, I think that was really a strong point of this game. Um, just that I, I love those transitions when you la- land your, your you you leave a location with your little shuttle and you land on another uh, another location somewhere. You know, it really made you feel like you were traveling vast distances from one interstellar location to the next one. 
Yeah, you know, and even though when you can, it, so you've got like a you've got like a solar system map that you can fast travel to, so to speak, you know, or mm. just load the level. And unfortunately, there's no kind of map within a map to let you know. Like you, you really need to either have a notebook or a mental map of your own to go. Right, I saw a door over there. Mm-hmm. You know, I will need to yeah. come back and get a key or an ability. You know, it kind of doesn't really fulfill its kind of super metroid influences that way i kind of wish you know if the game was made nowadays it'd have a more intricate map system but you know these levels they are so charismatic and well designed i feel that Mm -hmm. when you when you do get uh for example a jetpack thing uh ability and you 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 go oh i remember seeing a jetpack pad somewhere around in in the walkway for example and um, the, the game in a, it in is a, that Metroid kind of uh, sensation, it, right? It is, yeah. You, you do really start clicking it all together, and once you start, um, what, what, like, so each level's got sub areas within it, and once you found that you've rescued all the tribals in that area, it really takes the pressure off, and you can go yeah. right now. I can just bomb through this level as fast as I can. Some doors yeah. are gated by, you know, in a, in a Zelda-like way by killing the enemies, uh, but mostly you can just kind of just leg it through and just get to the bit where you need to be. Well, and it kind of it goes door. back to the it, we're going to talk about the tribals a lot. It goes back to that a lot. But like even their first pass through the level, you'll be like, um, at least I remember kind of being hesitant to even do things like blowing up crates because you don't know if there's a tribal right behind yeah. it. And you don't want to fire that one extra bullet, you know, and then and then blast yeah. the tribal away. So so once you do clear the tribal, like you said, and that pressure's off, you can go back through. It, there's a lot of destructibility there, things you can mm. find, little different hideaways where you could find different items, or even just things like, you know, ammo pack or capacity uh, upgrades and things like that. It it, it did, it, it felt like there was something to discover around every corner, that type of feeling. And um, yeah, it just, it, it's cool. And then you combine that with these levels, like you said, whether it was like those kind of deep blues of the interior environment or like the outside areas, it's like the gem quarry, like how the color palette mm. in those levels mm. is just... And or like the way the the lava um uh in Ashabone or whatever um that level's called like like it, it has like that that real orange glow that like I don't know these colors and in three D areas were things that I had never really experienced before yeah. so I remember this game just looking just gorgeous even if the models weren't exactly you know like you know great it just like the the color palette was just something to behold yeah I think they used they really made uh, really good use of uh, like baked in lighting in the textures and uh, like highlighting spots and uh, mm. putting little lamps here and there and and things like that yeah uh, that, yeah that yeah, really yeah. felt lively yeah they mentioned in the uh, rare replay interview they were like yeah we didn't have like light sourcing back then they had to kind of do it all DIY you know it was kind mm. of um a painstaking yeah. job but it really shines and you know unsurprisingly a rare game even nowadays it it looks and you know it sounds great you know what i mean yeah. like the, yeah. they, they really have kept that pedigree from well back, i guess from the nes till to the xbox one they, they've always been kind of yeah. hey look how, look how good our game looks like look at everwild yeah. it's kind of the most interesting thing that i can see on the xbox series of consoles coming i'm like oh god that game looks amazing like mm. again they're 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 they're, mm. they're provoking you know they're they're in they're they're, they're really digging into my soul is kind of what I want from a game. And it's right. just like, I don't, I don't know how they do it every time in terms of visuals and aesthetic, but they go, yeah, I really like the look of that. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, uh, yeah. And, um, Jet Force Gemini is definitely no slouch in pushing the N64 and it didn't even use an expansion pack. You know, yeah, I think, I think we're going to talk about the graphics a little bit more in depth later on, but, yes, um, sure. so just talking about the levels and the locations and talking about rares, sort of technical chops. If you just, Compared to your average Nintendo 64 game, 
with 3D mm. worlds in there that wasn't made by Rare, you can immediately see the difference, right? Yeah. Maybe this is not a fair comparison, but compared to something like Body Harvest or uh, yeah, games like that, you can yeah, you, know, you you just the level of detail and definition is just so much higher than in in a lot of other N64 games by other developers. The the levels across Jet Force Gemini are you know vast and rich and lush. But I think ultimately it's it's sold on just the atmosphere that comes alongside it and mm. just the general ambiance of levels and the music that kind of... Well, the thing uh, that I find, and again, we'll, we'll talk about all this in depth, but like where it shines in the atmosphere and levels and, and, the, and music and everything that we've been talking about, it certainly mm. just excels in that. It Where it lacked for me for a, in quotes, rare game is its actual characters um to where like when when i think back on games like again you can't compare i i hate comparing them to, like like they're apples to apples because they're not but like you know when i think of banjo kazooie i can i can run you down you know 15 characters in banjo kazooie their motivations their personality types their names everything oh, absolutely, else yeah and then but when i thought of jet force gemini when i was thinking about this like leading up to the show i couldn't i couldn't even remember the name of the main character without looking at it. like what was the girl's like i just like to me, the actual personalities involved in the game don't don't shine in the way that other rare titles do. Now, granted, it's a different mm. type of game, so mm, um, yeah. uh, so maybe that's not necessarily what they were going for. But I did find myself like like I couldn't instantly identify the you know the big bad in my head the way I can with some of their other titles. So yeah. Um. So when we get into like kind of characters and character design in general, like the the enemies are obviously meant to be disposable because as Mikhail said before, you're just you're blasting blue ant heads off and there's green blood flying all over the place. You know, every every yeah. time you walk into a room. But I could have used a little bit more as far as like even just from the tribals and and. But and I do think actually the ants have a lot of uh, personality and surprisingly you know, the, so yeah yeah I, th- I do think so does evil beady black eyes and yeah, the way they yeah. run around yeah. the environment and g- take cover and uh, try to you know sneak up on you and flank you uh, yeah they're uh, yeah they, they they I I yeah they surprisingly came alive to me as uh, as characters. Yeah, there's quite a wide variety of enemy types in this game, and they're all quite traditional. You know, you've got shield type, fat type, you've got yeah. the, the flying type, and just the regular ant type. But I do feel like they kind of, they all feel kind of unified in their kind of, you know, mm-hmm. uh, aesthetic. Yeah. I guess you know, there is the Beatles, and yeah, yeah, so, yeah. But I think ultimately, like the the lack of familiarity and understanding of the character, you know, remembering of the characters of Jet Force Gemini, it kind of. You can see, like, the, the, it was the Blast Core team who made Jet Force Gemini. And what are the characters in Blast Core? Maybe they're kind of yeah. their character creation. Yeah, yep. human That's true. who made them. We we spoke we spoke about that, that that maybe the when we did the Blast Core show that maybe mm. it was the the two big robots that were the the most defining. That's right. Characters yeah. of, uh, of Blast Core, yeah. And even then, I can't, I can't think of their names right about now. But yeah, all I remember is Backlash, and that's kind of yeah, you know. <laughs> but you know, again, like 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 Blast Core and Jet Force Gemini, it like the game really shines when it comes to you know, for the most part in both games, like just down to the um the actual playing of it. I, yeah. I do feel like Jet yeah. Force is 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 a fun game, especially for the you know of the of the time. Like trying to mash two genres together like that on the N64 never really happened, and when it looked that good, it, the game definitely stood out. It just kind of let itself down with, you know, the thing that we've mentioned fifteen times already is the is the tribals. <laughs> yeah. But be- again, before we get there, we'll um we'll swiftly move on to the kind of the bits and the bobs that go around the levels. 
So, you know, as you're trekking through these levels and, you know, you're, you're finding these little panels on the wall to shoot off to open doors or you're trying to find some gems to replenish life, you know, you'll find that you can... There are, there are things to do around these levels. Um, the, the Floyd missions are one which, in true rare fashion, you know, you have to have a mini game of sorts to kind of really test your metal. And I found these to be like... They were kind of like race, like time trials, right? You, you play as this robot and you're you're forced to fly through like a tiny corridor of sorts to kind of mm. a complete a mission of, of whatever. And uh, yeah, I always found these kind of moments in rare games to be like, at the time I didn't really understand or, un, you know, or, or know what it was, but like looking at it now, you just think, oh, you've just put this in there just to kind of, just because you think it's the right thing to do. But I, I do feel like sometimes they can be a little bit intrusive, like, like to force you to do a Floyd mission to get a, a part of the ship that you're trying to repair or, you know, or access to another area. I just felt like it was a little bit kind of unfair in, in modern day gaming terms. Mm -hmm. I don't know if anyone else feels similar, but like Conquest by Ferdy had the kind of the, the, the lava snowboarding or surfing kind yeah. of mission. And it was just mm -hmm. complete. It was just, uh, these things just really annoy Conquest me nowadays. Conquest had a lot of... Uh, yeah, it did have a lot of cheese in it, uh, to yeah. be honest, and literal and, uh, you know, metaphorical. But uh, yeah, you know, <laughs> so you've got... um. You've got these Floyd missions, you've got these racing missions, one of which has a, a Diddy Kong racing level in it, right? It has yeah. Gold or Greenwood Village, I think yeah, it is. Yeah, I think it's Greenwood Village, yeah. That's right, yeah, the one with the well in the middle where you can uh -huh. jump down, but I think the well is blocked in, yeah. in this version. Um, but yeah, you know, that reminds me of stuff like Banjo-Tooie that has, you know, secretly it had like stack from Goldeneye as a level in it and stuff mm -hmm. like that. They're always yeah. kind of borrowing from one another, just to kind of, you know, little hints and nods. But um, does anyone else remember any other kind of mini games any standouts that you that you liked or, or jeff or, and barry's uh crazy racing or whatever it was called mm. so like a super sprint arcade uh that's cabinet right. kind of kind of thing yeah yeah, yeah the yeah. top down job yeah yeah, so, yeah that was uh that was odd and there was <laughs> a, a a very wipeout like kind of uh racing game as that's well right. yeah. Okay, yeah yeah that's the one with the uh the diddy con racing level in it sure yeah yeah and and the floyd missions you know as, as cool as floyd is like yeah. those things like dodging between lasers and you know just trying to do it within a certain time frame it's just like oh come on just, just yeah, give it was it all rest. right I, I didn't mind them too much a little bit of uh, variety here and there in a long mm. game like this yeah. Mm. yeah and i i hate the i really don't like the term forgettable because like i mean so much work goes into these things um but like it, it definitely it, are, are not the first memories i have when thinking about jet force gemini it isn't like the kind of the side kind of it's more just kind of the you know how the weapons work and how things look and things like that um yeah. But um, but I do uh, uh, I do appreciate the side mission. I mean, at the time, as as the person playing it in 1999 when it came out, you know, I was thrilled to have more than just a regular campaign to do. You know, anything extra was just mm. more game. And so mm. at the time, that was something that you know were, they were still as a as from a game design concept, we're still kind of figuring out. You know, and especially in 3D spaces, so it was always fun to have something new to do in a 3D space. Yeah. Yeah. And you know the, the the things that you do within these levels on Jet Force Gemini, like aside from the 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 the, the bonus or side missions as you just mentioned, like the the moment to moment in these levels, none of them none of it's particularly stand out. You know, it's not mm. like you know the click clock wood where it's different seasons and it's not this and that, but it's just the general playing of Jet Force Gemini of just entering a new area, 
And like you say, you have to be careful, but also you want to let the guns loose at the same time because it's mm. just fun to hear those noises and the machine gun noises. I can hear it in my head now. Yeah. yeah. And the further but, you get in this game, the more ridiculous firepower you amass yeah. as well. Oh, absolutely, but, yeah. Like You yeah. just want to just wreck shop. And um, that's yeah. kind of, for me, that, that's when Jet Force Gemini is most fun is when you, you yeah. enter an area and you're like, right, I've, maybe I've been here before because I messed up, but this time I'm going to go in. And I'm yeah. just going to use this arsenal to the, the best of my ability. And it's not about really about kind of hitting a switch to do a thing to get a thing. Because there's no kind of jiggy equivalent, is there? There's just kind yeah. of just get to yeah. the end of the level and, yeah. and, and disappear. And hopefully you do your, your best along the way. Yeah. Uh, but it's just the idea of just, right, I can see, I can hear a sniper ant in the back. You can hear the zoom of the bullet and you know that that's, yeah. that's on your mind. Mm-hmm. You've got this guy in a, in a kind of serious sound way. You've got to like puzzle manage this combat and scenario in front of yeah. you. And that's when Jet Force Gemini is at its best. Yeah, it's with just all these that, different enemy types that work together to create very right. challenging situations. Yeah. yeah. yeah that's absolutely. really fun. Yeah. And that's kind of when I, that's when I love that game the most. It's just when, when it really forces you to to you know, engage with every kind of gun in your arsenal because each enemy type's got a, a weakness, and and sometimes they're just like just they just don't care that you're firing a machine gun at them because they've got a shield on. Yeah. But unfortunately, again, the tribals are always there to hold it back. Do you know what I mean? They're there to hold it back because you can't just go in there and just go right. I've got a tri rocket here. I'm just going to go nuts with it yeah. because you're accidentally going to knock one of them out. And yeah. It's it's just a shame that you have to. Oh, we're, we're there already again, but it's just a shame that you have to absolutely save every single one of them like there's not even a kind of a little kind of oh one of them died don't worry about it do you know what i mean like right. oh he was a rubbish one anyway you know what i mean no one really cared or cared about him he, he was terrible he was the worst one actually he was a he was a murderer tribal there's <laughs> <laughs> none of that you know what i mean they could have made something funny out of it like oh don't worry 99 percent's fine yeah. you know he, we were going to get rid of him anyway yeah, that yeah. tribal never paid his taxes. Don't worry, the government's That's not going to miss yeah. him. He, not even on, not even on the radar. Yeah. In true sort of uh, <laughs> rare um, dark dark humor, they actually blow up with a lot of splatter and gore as well, yeah. and, and body parts <laughs> yeah. flying everywhere. Yeah. You know these cute, yeah. cute little cute little koala bear like uh, thingies. Yeah, <laughs> yeah <laughs> those, even, those even big then, right? those big heads and there's those puppy dog eyes just waiting to be saved, and then you accidentally try yeah. rocket one of them, and they yeah. <laughs> oh, oops, I just uh, hit three at a, in a row with a shuriken. They have a good old um, slice to them, don't they? In this game, that, those heads yeah. come straight off. Yes, they do. Yes, they do. They, that, yeah. That's something that, yeah, it, there is something about this game. Just the way those the the enemies kind of bust apart like that. Is it like like if I would ever see kind of like an ammo backpack in the in the distance and just know that I could just completely unload my machine gun clip, I would just. I mean, it just. It yeah. just there's something to that the sound and this the yeah. it's just seeing them like yeah all those pieces yeah. go flying all over like it, it it's I'm I'm grinning from ear to ear right now just talking about it so <laughs> yeah, yeah it's a good time or those those big beetles when you launch three yeah. rec- rockets uh, into them and they just all the body parts fly in every direction <laughs> absolutely you know and yeah. the weapons aren't anything like Ratchet and Clank as we mentioned earlier that the, the arsenal in that game is absolutely or those games sorry are absolutely like the reason why I go to them. And I'd kind of wish Jet Force Gemini, you know, it was a game from the 90s, so I can't really... I think the seeds are sown with it, you know? They are pretty over the top. Like, firing three rockets from a little handgun thing is uh, is pretty outrageous. Yeah, it has its moments, but I I do wish it. they kind of... Like, Perfect Dark, for example, has, of a similar time, had kind of gadgets and, you know, crazy guns galore through the roof, really. Too much for an N64 Laptop guns. Yeah, absolutely. uh, Maybe, like... 
a Jet Force Gemini sequel could have a bit more creative flair with its weapons because you know I'd love to go in to a room full of ants and just see what I can see what carnage you can um you know come up with with some yeah. different weapons. Yeah, they were kind of. Like, I think the Shuriken was also kind of uh, kind of cool, you know, like yeah, yeah. target multiple enemies yeah, and yeah. just see their heads fly off. Definitely yeah. is a nice touch, you know. And like there are some nice touches, like the shotgun. You can charge it up, and it does yeah. feel really kind mm-hmm. of impactful when there's you a do. flamethrower which is always fun you know yeah everyone, oh, yeah. everyone loves a flamethrower absolutely yeah, yeah. Um, uh, you know hit seeking rockets as well you could lock onto a target and just uh, mm. let it off and run away and yeah just, yeah, yeah kind of that sure made, that made really target. short work of the the sniper ants in the top where like at the first the first level you're kind of having to manually yeah. aim the pistol to take them out then all of a sudden you have homing missiles and they, they become a yeah. a problem of the past yeah and on a, in on the Acor military base, there's like a bunch of snipers standing together on a watchtower, and you just target the middle one, and then let one of those rockets go, and then yeah, they fly in every direction. Yeah, yeah, the game definitely has its um, its satisfying catharsis. You know, it's just like, yep, yeah, I'm gonna absolutely just wreck shop, and uh, yeah, yeah it, it definitely ticks some boxes for me. So along the way, you can, as we said earlier, you can um, you can grab these bags that increase your capacity for your ammo. They're a very identifiable bag. Whenever I see one. You're just like, yep, I'm I'm homing in on that because I need, you know, I need extra rockets to uh, yeah. destroy these bad boys. Um, but you know, the in a Metroidvania kind of way, there are various exits in these levels, and they take you to various entrances in the levels to different places. And you know, you do need to turn into an ant fire and ant transformation pad at some point, or you need to fly or hover with a jetpack across, mm-hmm. you know, chasms and just yeah. you know, crazy bits in the um. God, the the walkway stage. You know, you end up going across this giant kind of vast uh, expanse really just just you and your jetpack and you, yeah. it, it challenges your shooting skills so there is a, there is a lot of variety i do feel like i say a lot there's there's a fair bit of variety in in the way to play jet force gemini yeah i just and kind I, of... I think actually that's maybe for me the largest issue with the game the tribals are not the sole cause they are a part of it but uh i think we we just talked about how great the combat is and and really wrecking shop right mm and there is way too much much downtime in this game otherwise for me where i'm just trying to find my way around and i've cleared all these rooms already i'm just running through from one empty room through another empty room with nothing happening but this bomb that bombastic music playing which <laughs> fits a lot of action but it doesn't fit quite exploration or anything no, like it that you know yeah. so i'm feeling like where you know i need more stuff to shoot when i'm playing this uh this right now and yeah there's there's so much downtime in it and yeah the tribals are just a part of that because they require you to be careful and to s- s- search out every nook, of, nook and cranny. But there's a lot of other sort of envi- environmental puzzling and key hunting to be done as well, which takes away from the action moments, which, as we've established, are the game's strongest moments. Hmm. Yeah, I didn't... I For me personally, and I know that you're someone who, who likes shoot-em-ups, um, or at least more familiar with them than I am, uh, Mikhail, in your history... Mm. Um, I, I kind of, in my recent replaying of it, I kind of like the downtime, um, in between those moments. Now, granted, the music mm. doesn't suit it. Um, the, the, but the reason I liked it is because I was always having to scour for ammo because for some reason, I'm not sure if I was just naturally inaccurate or if mm. I, uh, you're just, yeah, yeah. wasn't, wasn't doing enough exploration, but I was always yeah. running out of ammo, um, in this game. Now the, the side note to that, or this kind of the, the side effect of that is that I found myself using all of the weapons at my disposal, which was cool. Uh-huh. Like yeah. forcing you to switch between your pistol and your shotgun, and your machine gun, 
yeah. excuse me, to just kind of like it, it makes you kind of use all that. But I, I would use those times to kind of try to stock up. But mm. I do completely understand that, though, because um, there would be some some times where it just felt like you're retreading over the same room for the third time because you missed the one yeah. key or the one pad, like Darren was saying. Yeah, it's, yeah. yeah it, so I could I could definitely see that grading on that. I just knew um, my uh, during my recent playthrough, my like it just my laziness and exploration needed to be <laughs> needed that downtime in order to find yeah. all the things I needed. No, no, I get that, and I'm I'm certainly not somebody who ha- you know I'm not an ADHD gamer. It's not like I <laughs> constantly need stuff to shoot, and I'm not against exploration or downtime in general. I just don't think it fits very well in this game. Oh yeah, you're right. No, I yeah, that, I agree. that's the thing. You know, like the, the, with the, when the music is playing and sort of how the controls work, and yeah, I, it could do with at least some respawning of enemies, maybe yeah, to, to keep 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 the Keep the pulse uh, rate going a little bit, you know? So we've talked about it a hundred times already, but the um, like there was a level I was playing. I want to say, I can't remember the exact stage it was on. Um, whatever the the lava stage, I think it was Eshaban. I uh, It doesn't matter. Yeah, I um, think so, Eshaban. Uh, so I, I was only, I was, I was towards what I could see was the end of the level. I knew that my, you know, I was coming up to the end where my ship, my little transport was going to take off, but I was missing mm-hmm. one tribal. And yeah. I, so I had to rescour the entire level. I was going back and forth, back and forth. And it was just room after room after room of just nothing. And I knew there was nothing there because I had cleared everything out. But I was just looking for yeah. the tribal end up being on a, on a platform that I think just because of the camera limitations, I struggled to, you know, kind of see right off the bat. But during that time of just going back, forth, back, forth, looking for this tribal, um, I do remember kind of saying out loud, like, like, or not even saying, just thinking, like, man, this music needs to tone it down a little bit <laughs> because yeah, I'm just exactly. <laughs> all I'm doing is just circling the same rocks and the same lava yeah, platform. <laughs> Nothing's happening. I remember running uh, through this level called the the Sekhmet, which is a massive battleship uh-huh. as well, and with just when having cleared out every room pretty much, but having to find something or having to go somewhere. And just running around circles around that, that massive environment with this bombastic uh, space opera music blasting through <laughs> through the speakers and nothing going on but running in circles. Yeah, yeah. and like yeah. and like you said, even if there was just light respawn, even just throw some fodder yeah. at you, just just the exactly. blue, throw some the, more those... ammo respawn, some, yeah, some like some, like some... Cause, Cause then to me, like I, I think about it, like even it would just be a little bit more believable. And I use that with gigantic air quotes around it. Mm-hmm. Um, but like, yeah, yeah. even there was just a patrol of like three blue ants walking through, like what happened here? And then you come through and just blast them on your way through, like mm. um, just something yeah, exactly. a little extra there. But yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. It, it's, it's really the, the, the large empty rooms and spaces that you traverse through three times in a row. Yeah. Because with yeah, the music first, playing that, that sort of kills the momentum. Yeah. And kills. The enjoyment for me in the game. It, because especially contrasted with the first time you enter those environments, because the first time you enter them, it's just like yeah. there's 20 things flying through the air. You see the big beetle guy with a the shield. There's a couple snipers. Like, like it's just this kind of chaos mode of where, you know, where am I going to yeah. like you're triaging, right? You know, like, well, what am I going to take exactly. out first? Um, I always would go for the little tiny. I forget what they are actually were, but the, the little tiny flying enemies because they always just annoyed me. So I tried to take them out first, yeah. and then they, ch- uh, they chase you around. As yeah, well, exactly. Yeah. So I tried to take them out even from afar if I could, and then. Um, yeah. But yeah, but then you come back into that room when you're just looking for a tribal, and then it's just you know nothing but dead empty space. There's not even fun you know bug heads floating around anymore to look at. <laughs> they're, they're just, they're, yeah, they've exactly. All, they've all disappeared by then. So yeah. So yeah, I mean. We're getting into a little bit of uh, the meat of 
what's right and what's wrong with this game already, yeah. but um, I just feel like this game was kind of cursed by the fact that rare games had to have all this exploration in there, and you know, and and the idea of having shooting and exploration mixed is not a bad idea at all. I mean, that's where the original Metroid originated from, mm-hmm. but uh, it feels in Jet Force Gemini, it feels ham-fisted. Yeah, you know, and the, they're kind of inspirations for Super Metroid and Mario 64. You know, mm. you can put that down in, in a design doc and it, it all might seem well, but, you know, when you're trying to mesh the two together and you you, you are required to do this, yeah. then that, then this, then that, it kind of, it doesn't feel right, no matter what kind of, it doesn't feel 100%, you know, yeah. seamless in your hands. There are moments in that game where you end up going prone and you're like, why am I prone all of a sudden? Why is, why is it like the most awkward looking... <laughs> prone animation in gaming history what, what, like he does not look comfortable or she does not look comfortable on the floor yeah. with the gun in the air in her hand and like just walking in like you think I've never needed to go prone really yeah. in, in Jet Force Gemini and no, here no, I no. am wrestling with the controls and suddenly I'm, I'm lying on my belly trying to what, wondering what's going on the, the controls are a bit of a, um, a bit of a head yeah. scratcher at times and uh, it kind of gets in the way and and maybe it's the the contrast of that super high octane action and you know, things really kicking off, and you're in the middle of chaos, and then nothing. You know, yeah. In, in a lot. game, in a game like Metroid, you know, it's not like you're getting overwhelmed with enemies all the time or anything. It's it's more sort of, yeah. There's more more of a smart dosage going mm. on. I, you know, and it's in some levels it works, right? The um the abandoned space station one, like uh, that that kind of for me is a level designed to be kind of explored because it is just it, you know you are there you you found it kind of by accident that's how I, I found it by, oh what's this place it, it, it seems completely out of um yeah out of sync compared to all the other levels where it is kind of like super bombastic even when you're not doing anything the music's kicking off and it's just like no this place is just kind of like a quiet abandoned space station it's a bit ominous and yeah. I, I found that to be quite an enjoyable exploration based level mm-hmm. but yeah, yeah um for the most part yeah jet force gemini when you are trying to achieve a certain goal, it, uh, you know, be it get to this point and there's nothing going on, like you say, it just kind of feels sparse or barren. Yeah. It's just a bit like, oh. And the soundtrack is a huge part of that, I think. You know, I'm just thinking maybe a little a little bit with a game designer's mind right now, but I think this game could have benefited so much from a dynamic soundtrack where when things well, are kicking off, yeah. the music kicks off, and then when there's nothing much going on, mm-hmm. it's all a little bit more quiet and eerie yeah, you know, and yeah, atmospheric. Banjo-Kazooie's famous for it. You know, it's got yeah. his, you jump in a wall or you go near a thing. Yeah. And the, the, the soundtrack seamlessly moves across. So, yeah, I the mean, company... Even Mario 64 had that already in, uh, you know, the Jolly Roger Lagoon. That's right, yeah, yeah using yeah. the power of the cartridge, so to yeah. speak, to uh, yeah, exactly. make it happen. Yeah, if we get, if, yeah you're right. If, you yeah. mentioned the, the controls for a second, Darren. I had a question for you. Is I think you're the only one... Uh, I didn't play any of Jet Force Gemini and Rare Replay. Um, mm. Did they... Did they fix the? Oh, not fix. Did they change the aiming with yeah. like your pistols and so to, to where it was right stick aiming? That's right. So uh, okay. let me try and explain it for people who don't know or haven't played Jet Force Gemini. So Jet Force Gemini, when you're not aiming, so like in Goldeneye and Perfect Dark, you hold down the right the right shoulder button to bring up a reticule crosshair, and then you can start aiming in, in a kind of fixed position. Mm-hmm. Jet Force Gemini kind of does it similarly, but when you're not when you haven't got the crosshair up, it's more of a platform game, as we've said, like left stick mm-hmm. to control the character, jumping and that. But once you hold down the right shoulder button, a crosshair pops up, you know, and it's all bleeps and bloops and fancy noises. But the controls, like... Um, it's almost char- as if, uh, 
you know, a modern third-person shooter, it's the over-the-shoulder moment. But mm. instead yeah, that's of going right. over yeah. the shoulder, yeah, yeah, yeah. you sort of go, your tra- character goes transparent. Yeah, so you're, you're, you're focusing in. And uh, so, yeah. But when it comes to the controls, your character, it, you use the, you hold down R, you use the C buttons to kind of strafe left and right, but you can't reuse the analog stick to aim, and you can't really do anything else apart from that. But on Rare Replay, they changed it so when you aim, you can then move on the left stick and shoot on the right stick. Uh, sorry, you can move on the left stick and aim on the right stick. And yeah. it is more traditional. And uh, I, I reverted it back to the original N64 mode. And yeah, it's just all on the left stick. And it just it just feels terrible. Yeah. And I never really noticed it until they changed it. And it, uh, That was probably my biggest like one of the things I could remember the most about Jeff Force Gemini when I was a kid is that is that I, I I just had so much trouble controlling it. There would be some of these doors like we have we talked about some of the Metroidvania aspect. There's certain doors, especially when you first get the machine gun where you just gotta kinda unload a clip and do like a little like a like a little pad on the wall. And it lights mm. up all the lights, and you can get through the door. That's right. And uh, there were times, both then and now, where I li- I just had trouble keep because the the C- the the analog stick on the N sixty four was was not known for its precision. Obviously, it's one of the first of its kind. And but like it, just getting it to focus on that small of an area for and not have it have the reticle move that much to mm. get the whole clip. In there, it was very very frustrating. And, and I remember that then, and it was certainly the same now. To where like, I would just see my my character would just take so much. At, unnecessary damage because i'm just taking it's taking me 20 pistol shots to get this this sniper ant out of a tree and i'm just getting decimated by the things around it and i i just i had so much trouble with that and it really did kill some of those early stages for me now like i said before when you get the homing missiles and things like that it kind of alleviates some of those problems but you don't have a ton of ammo all the time so um when when you're forced to use that or the sniper rifle or the the, the manual aiming i found it to be um uh, uh, frustrating uh, kind at some some point almost like you know like get up and walk away from the game because <laughs> I'm gonna th- I'm gonna I'm gonna you know touchdown spike this controller at my feet if I don't <laughs> type mm. of type of situation yeah I'm, I I don't think I had those problems a lot I mean when w- if you boil it down uh, it's very much like the turret control scheme uh, it's it's it feels like the, the turret con- control scheme when you hold the R button because mm-hmm. then you know the stick becomes aiming, and the the yellow C buttons becomes your your movement. Uh, That's right, pretty yeah. much. So I, I didn't have that much issue with it, but returning to it now, and I don't think I had that issue back in the days. But the forced inverted aiming really killed me this time. Hmm. Yeah, and I also yeah. think it's got a look spring on the. Um, I never liked look spring, like because yeah. yeah. when I'm aiming down a sight and a crosshair pops up, I don't need the game to recenter my. Yeah my aim like if i've put the thing up there uh, time splitters 2 did it as well and i only yeah. noticed it really with the um when i went back to it recently on the gamecube but like, that yeah. c stick didn't really help time splitters 2 but with the look spring as well that i just couldn't get my shots accurate at all because the the, the controls are fighting me basically and uh, you know i could see why they'd have it because it kind of recenters your your you know your your viewpoint and therefore you can go again but i just know if i'm pointing in a certain point like don't keep re-centering me because it completely throws me off and yeah there's a, there's a definite fight on the stick there yeah yeah as a final note also uh on the control scheme there is auto aim when you're not holding the r button that's so you right can, yeah you can run yeah. around and yep. shoot some shoot some some grunts down pretty quickly uh, that are on the same level as you you yeah. know, if you need to get out of a sticky situation in in in, the, in platforming mode, so to speak, in third person platforming mode, yeah. yeah, you can just tap the Z button or whatever button it is on the Xbox One, the right trigger, and you can just let off a few um, you know, yeah. 
like you say, auto-aimed pistol shots, and it really yeah. does it does help sometimes. You it know? helps yeah. only on enemies that are on the same level as you. If, yeah. if you've got mm. like, little flying drones around and uh, a sniper yeah, on high positions, you can't do anything with it. No, that. it's not like Doom where you can get a pistol shot from a mile off and he's, oh, he's up on the ceiling. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It's not like Doom, yeah. <laughs> Oh, man, I could hear I could hear that description when you just said that oh, yeah. from like a mile away. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. Right, so we are going to get into it now. Okay, the, the tribals, uh, absolutely, what everyone talks about who's played Jet Force Gemini and maybe people who haven't. Like they are kind of you know renowned for being this absolutely, you know, and justifiably so annoying hurdle. Like to get to Mizar boss. You know, Mizar the big bad get to the boss fight and then be told to come back when you've rescued all of these koala bears essentially mm. and you know there there are there are enough levels in this game for it to be a problem because they, they have got sub areas as well and am I right in thinking that say for example within SS Anubis for example if you get into a certain sub area if you lost a tribal could you back out and then come back in again and it resets or would you have to no. start the level over you, you have to redo the yeah. whole level again. yeah you have to do the level I, yeah even that's yeah. where uh recently and i i will eventually finish with all the tribals but in in emulation that's the only time i use the save state at all um is mm. I, I would just kind of save state if, if i if i just like in, in my mind unfairly lost a tribal because i didn't want to have to redo the whole thing again um yeah, yeah so yeah, but you had to restart the whole level for sure that's uh yeah that's ridiculous so you do have to rescue the, the, and there's enough of these bears i don't know the number exactly but there's enough for it to be a problem you know you think oh man there's 12 in this sub area there's six hidden in this next one so you've got to find them as well not only like you know it, there, there's an army to save but there's they're not all in plain sight just there they're hiding behind boxes they're they're in corners they're they're behind doors that you don't know how to open they're next so to not, enemies they're the next to enemies yeah. they're next to exploding barrels they're kind of here there and everywhere you know, and it does have some of those moments like that I love in these games. Like, and I remember them from GoldenEye too. Like, where you'd come in and there would be like a couple tribals sitting down, and then like you know the like like three of the blue ants standing around them as if they were just like these three ants are assigned to keep these tribals, you know, kind of in place. Yeah. And then like walk in, like oh, I'm going to save these tribals, and then I forget that I'm on machine gun and not, not pistol, and just unload, and everything in front of me just turns into a fine mist, and I'm <laughs> I have to go mm. back out, but. Um, so there's some cool like moments like of like kind of building out the world that they do there, but, but where they place them close to enemies, it just becomes way too much of a liability. And I, I know we've talked about a lot. We'll talk about it some more, but I don't think this would have been as much of a problem if they just told you this right up front. If they just said, yeah, you, you've the, Hey, if you want, you know, in order to get, uh, to Mizar, in order to defeat Mizar, you have to save every, all the tribals. Like it would have been frustrating i'm sure but like at least it wouldn't have felt kind of like uh like a like a gotcha moment almost oh absolutely gut punch is the is how i felt yeah. it was it was just like yeah. i've got to do that and because it was my first time through on the n64 it took me ages it took me absolutely ages because I, I didn't understand it was kind of a it was a new game for me like in terms of genres blending genres i never played a game like it and uh i guess that's part of its uh its plus points is that it was kind of unique and standing on its own to get to say 20 hours in and, and to be told to do it again like you can absolutely understand why people would just be like yeah, i'm just gonna go tra trade it in is that right yeah yeah fair enough let's go trade it in because you know the second half of the game it doesn't it doesn't like rescuing all the tribals doesn't really mm. warrant or you know um, it doesn't reward you enough to to with the second half of the game for example it's just like oh okay 
it's just more Jet Force Gemini. You know, if it turned into the the best game ever, you'd probably think, yeah, actually, let's power through this, and it'll be like yeah. it'll open up to like this this game that you can't even comprehend, and it's the best thing ever in the, in the, in the world. But it's just more Jet Force Gemini, and you know, while that has its moments and pure fun and blasting and all that, it, the the notion of rescuing every single one of Basically, you know, they're, 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 they're like Jiggies, but Ewoks. You know what I mean? Yeah. If Banjo-Kazooie said to you, look, you have to get every single Jiggy, like, yeah. it would be a problem. I don't yeah. understand how they can get... You have get... to get all the stars in Mario 64. That's the right. thing. Exactly. You know, it's yep. not an optional thing. It's not for bragging rights. It's a requirement. Mm-hmm. That's where that's where you feel like, okay, they just really wanted to pad this game out. Absolutely. It reminds me a lot of Ape Escape, uh, the first Ape Escape, which we covered earlier in this volume, um, where... That they, there was a final boss and credits that came f- after a certain amount of the apes, but but in order to get the actual final boss and the actual ending, you had to get co- you know collect all the apes. But the difference there is when you would go back into stages, you were using new abilities that you had gained later in the game to access new areas and old stages. So even though you had to replay the stages, you were seeing things you hadn't seen before. Where I feel like yeah. this game is missing out on that. Like if there was a, you know, like say um, in the first in the first world, the Goldwood world, there was a door that you could only get into using the tri rocket launcher. You know, you go back, yeah. you open up this new area. At least it gives you a reason to replay it because you know you're going to see more content, more of the game. And if this game had there a lot is of a that, little bit of that, yeah, there a little, is a little bit, bit exactly, but with not, the yeah. the transformations that the character, yeah go through at, at one point of the game but it's not well structured right uh, yeah in that sense right yeah, yeah that's a, and i think if it had more of that it would be a kind of an easier pill to swallow in that respect but but it does just come off as like that um I, i'm gonna mess up this reference but that you know that ghosts and goblins got to replay the entire game again or go back to the beginning of the game um mm. aspect of it you know it does have that feeling of like i felt like i yeah. just did all of this and now i have to redo it all again hmm yeah, yeah, you know, that's it, a fair. It, that's a fair comparison. Yeah, it's not like they kind of mix it up either. Like, like you say, there's no, there's no extra flavor to be had to, you know, to experience while you're retrekking old ground. You know, kind of. Ah, it's like in Ridge Racer when you finish it and they ask you to do the the tracks backwards. Like, at least there's something there that's different. You know, here mm. it's just it's just the same, and you're like, come on, like you, you know, and you did mention the transformations and that you know the hover tank and the the jetpacks and that, but it's just that. It's not. It's not the Metroid. Like the, the at the start, we said it's influenced by Mario sixty four, which is obviously like the platforming and the stars. But here we've got platforming and tribals and Metroid, and that they don't seem to hit either of the inspirations uh, on the head. You know, with a yeah. proverbial nail. It's just kind of like, yeah, it's like those two games, but we don't really understand why. And it's just like, oh, okay, you you wanted to do this, but you don't really, you didn't really quite la- um, nail the landing on your um, on your execution, which is a shame, mm. but. Um, you know, in terms of the tribals, we're going to read a post by um, Simon Sloth. He says, in an alternate universe, if my older brother had chosen Nintendo rather than PlayStation, I would have no doubt played and loved Jet Force Gemini. The poorly explained systems, hidden objects and forced minigames like Donkey Kong 64 would have been easily conquered given my parents one game per birthday or Christmas rule. I would almost certainly have fond memories of this game. As it stands, he chose PlayStation and I didn't play Jet Force Gemini until I knew Kane and Rince were covering it this year. I don't have any nostalgia for it, and to be brutally honest, I didn't enjoy it too much, despite being somewhat spruced up in the Rare Replay collection. The basic mechanics and controls take a while to get used to, but seem okay, and in principle I understood the aim to collect all the tribals, although I spent the whole time calling them Efren Koalas, as they were the source of much frustration. <laughs> I firmly believe that a game should not de- demand obscure collectibles to be obtained. 
nor hard minigames to be forced upon you to complete a game. Big head mode, silly voices, prestige costumes, etc. should be an ample reward for finding these trinkets off the beaten track. Mm. I shouldn't be strong-armed into, frankly, terrible minigames, which I must get a gold medal in so I can get an item to give to one of the effing koalas <laughs> who will give me a part to my ship. In that moment, how I longed for a modern-day big shiny arrow pointing me in the right direction. I actually like some of the enemies. The combat and the level design was on the whole interesting, but not enough to warrant the several playthroughs forced upon you. When said koalas ran in front of my bullets or met their doom cuddling a giant ant, my patience <laughs> was truly tested. <laughs> the planetary map display and character select were so confusing I didn't even realise you could change characters halfway through a level until I looked it up. I finished the game and it's no longer on my backlog, but until I saw the show reminder on Twitter, I had forgotten I could play this game at all this year. I'm sorry to everyone who liked it. I'm sorry to the alternate universe version of me, but I didn't enjoy this at all. And now I see a koala and shudder <laughs> you know and like it really really did even back then in the 90s you know late 90s early 2000s it really was a problem that this that, and i can't i can't believe that this was not a thing on a on a bug log somewhere like knowing how qa works like that was definitely in there going are you sure you want to do this like in terms of like it's a bug you know not a feature kind of thing like no no no, no. you've no. got this wrong you don't need to rescue all these yeah you do okay well, that that's a bad idea and you know <laughs> there are no day one patches like if that game if this game come out nowadays i'm sure you know day day one patch actually you need 75 percent tribals it would have yeah. kind of yeah. been somehow changed to um to appease the the modern gamer of uh of whingy proportions but in this case i kind of yeah i, I sympathize because it's not a it's not a great thing at all. The the only game I can think of in recent memory that did something similar to this was Recore. I'm not sure if either of you had played Recore oh, at yeah. all. Yeah, but I you get to the Recore, end of Recore yeah. and it's uh you're, you're kind of you're preparing for the big bad and and you realize that basically the game is asking you to go back and and complete like eighty or ninety percent of these of these uh, collections that you didn't they they didn't That's seem right. to really give you a heads up on on the whole way mm. through. And I do remember then being like, well, I. I guess I'm not finishing this game then. That was like the way, like, like unless I, you know, had inspiration. I end up, you know, thinking about it later on, going back and, and finishing it. it. It was fun, but um, when you're greeted with that, like first right off, like here, oh, go back and do these things. It's it's very startling, and I do remember that uh, from the time, just kind of being like, yeah, I'm not sure if I have the energy to to, to yeah. go do all this. That's exactly where I left Recore as well. To be honest with you, yeah, it was like, oh, I'm I'm not doing this. Bye, yep, exactly. <laughs> because, yeah. You know. There's a thousand games to play and not all the time to do it all. So, yeah, you know, we could talk about the tribals for a, a whole two hour podcast, but I think people understand now. But by this point in the podcast, like it was and it still is just a massive issue. And I'm like, I guess we're all on the same page, right? It was it was yeah, a problem. And it still definitely. is. Mm. But, you know, we've mentioned the enemy types. Um, does anyone have any? I know the, the flying ones, they have their, their, their unique sound and they all fall into formation, like Mikhail said. And it does remind me of like a Gallagher or something yeah, of that something type. Like yeah, that, it's, got, it's, it's got a real smooth. I feel like most of the enemies in this game have a real smooth kind of animation flow. You know, the ants kind of are a bit kind of erratic, but that's what you expect from an ant. You know, it doesn't yeah. look too out of place. Very um, much was made uh, at the time of release. I remember that they based the AI. Uh, of the ants on uh, Half Life's uh, enemy soldier AI. Oh no, good. Oh, there you go. That's interesting. Yeah. So yeah, you know you, yeah, you can see that, that they're the, the, uh, for cannon fodder they're quite a step above your average cannon fodder in, yeah, so like, in games know, at the time. Yeah. You land on Icor, which is the home of the big bug fun club 
for those who don't know it's a disco <laughs> yeah. with a bunch of bugs in it but you know the, it, the 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 level's peppered with kind of crates and stuff and the ants do split up around the boxes and they will try and flank you and yeah, yeah it, it it does kind of um yeah it does kind of surprise you in a way that you know for a bunch because that was kind of the standard of uh, artificial intelligence intelligence in uh, in enemies back then yeah that's right yeah john it was all about the flanking yeah and uh, but uh, there are some like there are some crazy animations there. Like, other than the heads popping off and the the kind of the weird noise for picking up the heads is like a reward right to unlock a cheat <laughs> but like it felt so kind of uh, juxtaposed like you just popped someone's head off and you picked it up and it's gone bling <laughs> you're like yeah. is, that, is, that, is that the right noise for that i, yeah. I don't think so uh, i don't think so <laughs> It might be the perfect noise it's, for that. Yeah, or that. You know what I mean? It's so it's so out of place that it fits. Yeah, it's um it's mad. But like there are some strange animations of the um the, the zombie type uh, ants in the um in the bog level to effect, right? They the when you shoot their heads off, they kind of they twitch and shudder like, you know, as you'd expect. And it kind of Yeah. It's unnerving in a way because the game is it's the game's visuals, right? It's kind of cartoony, but mm. also at the same time is really really serious and it yeah, kind of it's kind of morbid also i mean yeah it's, it's kind pretty of gory, gory in, a, in a sense well that's yeah, yeah that's it, one thing that w- uh, where i was kind of waiting to talk about with, with these visuals is that sometimes it does feel like it is too like two completely different styles and i don't mean like mm. like a- everything seems like it comes from the same world but like when you're looking at these um you know these little koalas with their big beady eyes but then they can you know their heads can explode and there's all this blood splatter and everything else but then like your character models themselves i mean sure you have a dog that can turn into a tank and that dog is awesome but yeah. the like the the actual um uh juno and vela are kind of like they're just kind of like just aside from the garment choice just kind of generic soldiers like it doesn't i don't know like mm. it seems to me yeah. like do they want it to be this hardened not hardened but you know this kind of like you know Saving the galaxy. No, take think, this seriously. I think it was more. Or, I think it was more intended as a, a violent cartoon. Than yeah. Okay. Super yeah. serious. Uh, it's just like that was a design decision forced on them. Like make these characters look more grown up and less cartoony. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. But you know, like, and, and it's fine to have like Goldwood be your kind of you know the lovely, beautiful, green, lush environments. And it's fine to have, you know, the complete opposite of that with the bogs and the, the spaceships and stuff. But there's something about just the general... And I think this game looks really nice, especially for the N64. I feel like it, you know, it looked amazing. But yeah. in terms of, like, art placed around the levels, it never really struck any vibe in a in a very specific 100% way. You know, it kind of wanted to use all the colours, but also it wanted to be grounded in reality at the same time. And yeah. I felt like it kind of, you know... It, 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 again, it doesn't really lend itself to an identifiable thing to grab onto. It's like, oh yeah, this that's 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 the level. Okay, uh, cool. And uh, Jet Force Gemini to me doesn't really have a describable, as you can hear, describable aesthetic other than mm. just kind of it's it's a game that happens in front of you, and that's a shame because yeah. I, I do. I, feel- I, I I don't agree there. I think it does have a very yeah, it does have a very defined visual identity. It's maybe. A bit unfortunate that they had to change the main change the main characters. Maybe that diminishes it a bit, but it it does to me have this sort of Bucky O'Hare kind of uh, you oh, know Bucky if, O'Hare, if, all right. Yeah, kind, <laughs> kind kind of like this cartoony sci-fi vibe about it. Even if you if you look at the shuttle ships that the different characters land on on the planet, you know they all look very boxy and uh, and and very uh, yeah toy like Tonka toy like. Uh, but what I'm trying to say is like uh, I. 
you know, I, I I like the fact that you know they do have these little kind of toy ships and they land on place, but the environments and the levels around them they just mm. feel far too grand and serious. Like mm-hmm. I can see like in a version of Jet Force Gemini where the levels are kind of a, a smaller and more colourful and a bit mm. more you know playful. I think yeah. the, the the game is kind of trying to balance two kind of well two yeah. two genres and two vibes. You know, it's it's kind of it wants to be two things at once. Yeah. I, for me personally, I don't think it it kind of sits right in the middle of them both. It's like, yeah, I want to be colourful and I also want to be like, you know, like a super, like, I want to be like Starship Troopers at the same time. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. It wants to kind of yeah. be the best of both worlds. And for me... Maybe it, maybe that for me personally, I get what you mean, but maybe that doesn't feel that much at odds, that mix of series and cartoon, mm. cartoony. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. I, get, I guess speaking as like a, like from my own point of view, like as a super rare fan, I, 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 as we said already in this pod, like we come, I come to rare games for the yeah. the character and the um, the vibe. And Jet Force Gemini has a great kind of atmosphere, but I don't think it has a it has a he for me it has a cohesive vibe. Yeah, like mm. Perfect Dark has a style, Banjo Kazooie has a style, Viva Pinata has a style. Jet Force just kind of again like Blast Core. It kind of just sits there. Yeah, like it. It doesn't seem to have the same personality as those other games. But uh, the, mm. not that it needs that. I mean, this is definitely more about the action. But I think yes. it, it does try to have that personality in some ways. But it doesn't carry through the whole product like like some of their other games. I I I, I and I and I like I said, it doesn't necessarily need that. But for me personally, yeah. that style just falls more flat for me. Mm. Right. See, I think this is where I come from because I was a, a fan of Rare since the NES days when you had games like uh, Cobra Triangle and, mm-hmm. and RC Pro-M and Snake Red on a Roll and stuff like that. Just really kooky stuff. Uh, very original, but also very technically very uh, capable and very, um, you know, really yeah, you're really right, good, yeah. good to play. Mm-hmm. And that's wh- when we were talking about Blastcore, we had the same discussion where I felt like Blastcore felt more rare to me than let's say yeah. something like Donkey Kong Country or Banjo Kazooie or uh, or yeah maybe GoldenEye is not so fair to say but I think a game like Banjo Kazooie as great as it is and it is a much greater game than Jet Force Gemini feels like a take on somebody else it feels more derivative it feels like a take on somebody else's concept most mm-hmm. notably Mario 64 of course mm-hmm. whereas something like Blast Core or even Jet Force Gemini feels more to me like something something more original, you know, more of an original yeah. concept that mm-hmm. I associate the old rare with. I think it's it's neat, like we were talking about it earlier, like like how I can't, I'm not being a game developer in the 90s, I can't possibly say this with, with any authority, but like it feels like Jeff Force Gemini was really trying a lot of new and different ideas, trying to push yeah. the envelope of what you could mm. do with a 3D kind of combat platformer which kind of didn't exist but did and like like Mm. breaking that new ground like there's always going to be like you know whether it's whether it's um you have your like mega fans or people that absolutely can't stand it like but if you're evoking any reaction when you're kind of like exploring this new space and doing these new things like you're you're clearly succeeding at something and and i yeah and that's where i think jeff force gemini does shine is that like it has these moments where like where you just have like like where everything's clicking, the controls are clicking, the actions all going, everything's good, and then those moments are so high that when they're then followed up by what Mikhail and I were talking about before, with like those vast open stretches with nothing to do, or like replaying the same thing for the treble, like, like maybe yeah. the maybe the peaks are too a little too peaky and the valleys are a little too low to definitely to, to, yeah. to, to mm. put together an experience that you can come away feeling like 
like wholly positive yeah. about. But um, but yeah, that's, that's really interesting contrast. to hear that take because I didn't think about it in terms of like RC Pro Am and things like that games yeah. that I I love too. But um, it, mm. when I'm thinking of Rare, I kind of probably think of it a little bit more like Darren does. So that's an interesting perspective thinking about mm. the company in in those two separate but equal lights. Kind of, it's interesting. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you're right with Cobra Triangle, right? It plays really well and it's it's a fun game to play, but it doesn't have that kind of cartoony flair. It just it's just a boat yeah. on some water, you know? Yeah, yeah I get yeah, it now. It, yeah. It's it's I more it's more the concept that's original mm. and gives it its identity than maybe mm. let's say the visual cohesiveness or anything <sighs> like that. Or or wow. some 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 identifiable character to uh to connect to. But you made me think. Thank you. Uh, so, but from a raw technical point of view with the visuals, I've, I, I remember in some areas in this game, it kind of just blew me away as like rare games tend to do in terms of technical pr- power and prowess, I guess is the word. Like there's a bit where you're heading towards like a pyramid kind of looking structure and in the reflection, I know it's kind of just copy and pasting and, you know, flipping it upside down. But at the time when you run across this big shiny floor and you can see the reflection of the pyramid and stuff like like that's the stuff screenshots are made of, right? Yeah. And you're just like, oh yeah, this yeah. this is this looks amazing. And uh, the blood splatter, as we mentioned, it kind of it flops and it you know you can really hear the wetness of it. It reminds yeah. me of Conquer's Bad Fur Day. Yeah, yeah, it reminds me of Bad Fur Day in terms of like the, the blobby animation and the kind of the sticky noise of the of the beer or the or the or the the feces. Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. It I didn't that I didn't of... make that connection, but obviously that's where that yeah. came from. Yeah, totally. Yeah, it has the same consistency. So they must have had some shared tech along the way. And yeah, um, yeah the, you pick up these coins within the levels. I can't remember what they're for. These little silver kind of coins. But the Mizar logo on the front, it just looks like robotic to me. And I'm like, <laughs> yeah. this is wow. It looks like a man with a giant orange beard, but in like in different <laughs> shades of grey. It was kind of a bit strange. And uh, yeah, I can't remember what the coins are for actually. And again, it's kind of another thing that I can't remember about Jet Force Gemini. But yeah, isn't um, it for the uh, for the arcade games or that, uh, uh, that, like that, that? Would, that would make sense. Yeah. yeah, I just remember running along picking them up. But yeah. Uh, you know, in the the game has some decent things to find in the levels. They're like, you know, when when you shoot open a chest and something pops out, that's a nice touch. You know what I mean? Mm. And uh, there are some really cool visual effects in this game. Yeah, from the lens I think flare. If you start in the second level, the SS Anubis, there's this cutscene where this uh, poor little tribal is forced to uh, wipe the floor, and then one of those mean ants kicks over the bucket, right? And you see that's this uh, right. reflection going on. So yeah. they really had that technology they wanted to show off there mm. through a very sadistic cutscene. Yeah, well, and I remember, because that, that thing was used in trailers and stuff like that, right? It was like, oh, yeah, exactly. look at so, this. So they had some sort of... It probably isn't real-time uh, reflective technology, but it's a very ni- some very nice visual trickery that gives off that impression. Yeah, you know, I remember it in Grab by the Ghoulies, right? They literally just copy and paste what's happening on top and put it underneath a shiny yep. surface underneath. So it's literally happening twice. Yeah, but it's yeah, just exactly. behind a filter of shininess, I guess. And uh, yeah, that's how it gives off that reflection. Yeah. And, you know, we, we've mentioned the soundtrack along the way, but, you know, um, the, the music in this game really helps sell yeah. just, the, um, just the, the sheer energy of what the game can offer. And like, mm-hmm. even though it doesn't die down when the combat dies down, like you say, um, I do feel like the soundtrack for me is... Is, is really good and oh yeah, yeah. yeah. taking on uh, its own accord it's uh, it's excellent mm. and it does fit the action in a great way yeah mm-hmm. yeah it's a, i think it's a level there's a piece or two um again like like we just mentioned with the blood spatter and it reminds me of conquered by third day there's a track or two in this or conquered by third day where they kind of they swapped them over and they were kind of intermingling content and there is a track or two that kind of crosses the stream so to speak so mm-hmm. even though they were kind of individual barns so to speak um 
they were definitely you know robin definitely um mr beanland definitely went actually this might fit better in conquer or this i think it's to <laughs> yeah. do with the um the bit in conquer where you go up to the um the stadium and you fight um bugger lugs or whatever he's called i can't remember his name and um <laughs> that sounds right doesn't it for a rare game yeah i think they used the track from that in jet force and vice versa yeah so yeah, there's definitely yeah. some shared um content going on there sorry if in the, uh, allowed in the pod. in the developer interview on a rare replay i watched those in on youtube because i sadly don't own that game um Robin Beanland even said that he was working on on Conquer, and then mm. uh, yeah, Chris Seaver told him to take a break, so he went to work on Jet Force Gemini and do music on that. <laughs> take a break, so you can yeah. do something yeah. equally as awesome. Yeah, good you, work. You go and take a break. <laughs> so, Brian, any any uh, general feelings on the soundtrack? Well, yeah, just- uh, the it just I don't think of Jet Force Gemini as one of those like like rare soundtracks that I kind of have on my phone at all times to play, um, but. Like I always try to listen to the entire soundtrack. There's there's great YouTube playlists out there. There's play you know the songs kind of in order for you. Um, and uh, I listened to this a couple times through over the last couple of weeks, and it's just it's really kind of a banger after banger. Um, it's mm. uh some of the stuff is hard to listen to just on its own, like outside of the environment. Cause some of it is very reliant on the environment, but there's normally a melodic through line to a lot of these songs that like that makes them feel like they are themes for their specific areas. So like. It does. It just does a great job of building out the building out the world and building out the stages. Um, again, you know, another one of those those rare kind of you know classic things you look for in a rare game, right? You know, that's the the music that absolutely matches the experience that you're having. And um, mm. and yeah, this one, it, I I don't I don't think of it as fondly as I do like those banjo soundtracks and 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 the Donkey Kong Country soundtracks. But then when when listening to it back recently, it definitely um, it definitely does does what it sets out to do very well. Mm. Yeah, and like the first forum post we read out, so it's, it's the the horns yeah. in the, on the main theme on the intro screen. And also the very beginning, yeah. like the load screen of this game, I feel like Naughty Dog took that for Uncharted. It's very Uncharted. That yeah, little, yeah, yeah, yeah. Those yeah, little yeah. like... I was going to say, yeah. Yeah, I, I, it reminds me of that every single time I would start the game up. I'm like, I'm like, that sounds a lot like the Uncharted intro, but... Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and it's got some real great audio touches, like... So rare games, when you flick them on, you know, Banjo-Kazooie's got the, the little dragonfly mosquito flying into the um, end logo and dropping into the water. Conker's Battlefield has got the chainsaw. Yeah. But Jet Force Gemini's got the logos of the rare logos kind of revolving a little bit, oscillating, I guess is the right word. And then, but the kind of the jingle behind it, it's very ominous, right? It's very kind of, yeah. it's kind of, uh, it goes, and you're like, oh, that's that's cool. I like that. Yeah. And then a, it kind a little of, bit uh, HR Giger alien-like, you know? Yeah. 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 Yeah, nice. Yeah. And then it kind of the the noise that comes in behind the other logos, like the Dolby Vision logo, or the W not Dolby Vision, Dolby Audio logo and stuff. There's kind of just a great kind of yeah swell of noises that kind of really set the mood before the game's even begun. Yeah, it does a really good job of setting the scene. And uh, yeah, good work on the audio front. And again, from a, a you know a machine that doesn't really wasn't really known for having. Well, it didn't have a CD, so like, how can it play great tracks? But somehow the N64 just kept it didn't even have a dedicated music. sound chip. That's the crazy part. That's right. Yeah, absolutely. Right. So, yeah, um, as as per most rare games, they have uh, secrets and Easter eggs. Um, the fish food you get in the game is not oh, only yeah. used to feed the fish, but you can use it to distract enemies and trigger proximity mines around the levels. And there are totems around each level, which you can find to unlock certain characters. In um in the mini games, which has the um, obligatory multiplayer mode that all N64 games seem to have had around this point, <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah. yeah, we put four, you didn't buy this. We put four controller ports on the front of this thing. You will find a way to allow four people to play together on the yeah. screen. Yeah, mm. absolutely. Like when people picked up the box when I was working in the shops at the time, they were like, "It's not multiplayer." You know, like N sixty four games had like the four N sixty four pads, like kind of yeah, yeah. wire. You know, like if there wasn't that on the front, people were just like, well, "Why am I buying this for this amount of money?" <laughs> it was kind of a a different thought at the time. But yeah, you can unlock, um, you know, characters, different colors of bugs, and this and that and this and that. Of course, you can. And Mr. Pants is kind of, um, you know, a cult classic favorite on the uh, from a rare fanboy point of view. Like Mr. Pants was on the the Scribes website, which was basically Lee Loveday used to reply to fan emails and letters and stuff back in the day. And Mr. Pants was just made out of just kind of pure stupidity, and it kind of seemed <laughs> to find life of its own. Um, yeah, uh, it's, it had its, it had its own game on the GBA, but he also had a fan made game by basically someone who I used to live with. Um, he made his own, he ended up writing a book for CFE's book, Chris Alcock. He wrote um, a Mr. Pants kind of game, which at the time, right, this is, uh, this is well, my, my memory's kicking off now, but he wrote a, a Mr. Pants game where you basically fall in, uh, collecting falling presents from the sky. Cause I think it was Christmas related. And Lee loved that at the time. It was basically like, yeah, if you complete this, I'll tell you stop and swap. And at that time we were just like feverish for stop and swap. Right? It was mental. <laughs> uh, but yeah, we, we were playing this Mr. Pants kind of, bootleg game on our PCs just to try and find something that didn't even exist really and he, yeah, he never told us what Stop and Swap was but yeah in wow. Jeff was Gemini you wasted so much of your time oh, well yeah that, that's that's my teenage years through and through mate but yeah um, <laughs> Mr. Pants is hidden in one of the levels or maybe two levels in caves you can see him scrawled on the walls as if he's sort of like you know some sort of like ancient kind of caveman cave painting yeah. yeah that's it yeah also but you can also if you collect uh, enough ant heads, you can activate ants in your pants, which replaces all the ants in the game with um, Mr. Pants. And he's he's basically just a white-bodied snowman-looking thing that's got red pants red on. Red pants, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I remember yeah, I remember seeing him. I don't remember. I don't think I ever interacted with Mr. Pants in the game, but... He's, he's a bit like Rare's kind of dope fish, if you know what yeah, I mean. Yeah, he's, he's, he's yeah. He's total pants. <laughs> <laughs> but... um. Yeah, so the other cheats in the game are Jet Force Kids. Now, this kind of is a nod to the original design for the Jet Force, um, you know, the the, the duo, I guess, because the dog didn't really change. Uh, but it's not the same. It's not like they've used the old models. They've just mm-hmm. kind of shrunk the torso on them and it's kind of like in DK mode for the Golden Eye. It's kind of like oh, they're yeah. just a bit kind of, I don't want to say deformed, but, you know, a bit out of shape, if you know what I mean. It's just a bit like, oh, okay, yeah. you've just kind of shrunk the torso and the legs and the arms and the head are the same. So, you know... Sure, it's a nice little touch, but it's not really um not really that great. The DK uh, Rainbow- the DK model of Dr. Doke still haunts my dreams. I just I can see his I can see his <laughs> yeah. face in that damn facility. <laughs> yeah. I'm sorry, this is not related at all, but I can see Dr. Doke's his weird pixely beard and his angled head poor mm. guy. I just oh, the man. DK Doke man. I still I still have nightmares. <laughs> <laughs> Something quite um yeah. Remote mining a DK dog. Yeah, yeah, you just stuff stick him to his face. Oh man! Absolutely. All right, that, lots Absolutely. of lots of fun. <laughs> so, you can also do, as you said, ants in your pants and rainbow blood because you know, again, you know, like in true rare form, you know, for one, I have a rainbow in there somewhere, and uh, rainbows make the world a brighter place. That they do. Um, you also had a multiplayer. Uh, again, we mentioned the the co-op Floyd mode, which I didn't do, which I probably should have done, knowing my own you know, inability to play it sometimes. I could have used a hand. Um, but there's also a versus mode where there's kind of like a death match kind of thing. I, I, it reminded me a lot of Star Fox 64s. And I know people like Star Fox 64s multiplayer, but I found it just to kind of just be a room just to shoot stuff in, yeah. you know, your mates in. It's yeah. just a bit like that. The, th- the thing is, um, 
we tried it out a couple of times, me and, and some friends, but it, you know, where Goldeneye and um, Perfect Dark, of course, work perfectly in four-player split-screen because you just, you know, you, you, you don't see a character on screen that obscures your view. That's the case here. You basically mm -hmm. have these characters that uh, take away so much, uh, like, visibility. Uh, it's just, it just doesn't work that well. Yeah. Yeah, and I think yeah, one of the things we didn't actually talk about earlier that I found um, with some of the versus mode in GeForce Gemini was like the way the camera interacts with the walls in that in this game is is as wonky as I would say any other game for the N64. If, if you know that feeling of trying to adjust the camera to get it to navigate with a solid mm -hmm. wall, it just kind of hits that thing and then it'll kind of push through quickly. And that's even more so in multiplayer because as as uh, Mikhail was alluding to, your character takes up so much screen that if you try to manipulate the camera at all, like it just and you have any trouble. I mean, you can basically just see next to nothing when you're playing. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Especially when you're trying to crawl for like a um, like a ventilation space. Yeah, you know, and the cameras just have none of it. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> it, it's just like nope. Oh, you're just gonna get a big chunk of you know Juno's legs right in your face. And you're like, oh man, come on. <laughs> all right. You know, we'll, we'll deal with it. But yeah, um, you had um, target mode. I don't even remember. I'm guessing you ran around and shot targets. Or maybe it's a Floyd mission where you shoot the targets along the way. And a racing mode, which was the, the aforementioned mini game where you're, you're driving around in a little kind of wipeout looking ships. Yeah. You know, again, it reminds me of DK64's multiplayer. It was just there because they felt like they had to tick a box, maybe. Yeah. But the, um, it actually, yeah, it's quite, me, it's quite a thing to ask for game design, you know, like, like imagine yeah. now if like, you know, like when Jedi Fallen Order came out last year, if they were like, oh yeah, you need to put a racing mode in there too. It's like, what? You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> like, so then they have to create this mini game yeah, within crazy. the game in order to justify the rate. Like, like it just seems yeah. like a, a lot to ask of a dev team. Um, yeah. Again, somebody who's you're, never done it before, so I, I don't have any frame of reference. But, no, no, no. But you're right. It's so, it's so off the time also. Yeah, the time yeah exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you, you don't see this kind of thing anymore like oh yeah all these wild and wacky multiplayer minigames stacked on yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah you know banjo 2 also was a game where it had it had a first person mode and therefore it had a first person multiplayer deathmatch mode in it right yeah. and it's got not only is it like a lot of work to implement and design but also like there's a lot of qa that goes alongside it right because every time you add something to a game especially back in the 90s where it went through like rigorous lot checks and tcrs and that you really had to just test everything to the nth degree, you know, and just to have these kind of modes that we deem as superfluous and throwaway, like there was a lot of time spent yeah, on this stuff. Yeah. And you think, oh, is, it, <laughs> yeah. is that really time thing. well spent? Yeah, it's a um, different time indeed. So just before we go into the three word reviews, um, I'd like to kind of just have a little kind of discussion about kind of the story of Jet Force Gemini or kind of the lack of it, because I'm thinking of hopping to different planets and shooting the ants and that. But really, like, you know, the game has got some nice cutscenes. You know, Mikhail said, one of the kicking of the bucket of water over and you see the reflections. But I don't really remember, again, much of Jet Force Gemini's kind of overall story. I know they're trying to defeat Miser and the ants and stuff, but like, what really what really goes on between between the three of them on their adventure? Like, Not a whole lot. It, no, but uh, I mean that that was also par for the course at the time. We didn't have that many elaborate cutscenes in in most games. Hmm. You just yeah. uh, have to fill in the blanks yourself, you know. It just seemed like there was a lot of kind of landing on a planet and talking to a creature of choice. Yeah, and yeah. you know, and then you were just you were just off. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, kind of like in um 
like a spire and a dragon does a similar thing in a, in a much you know shorter fashion but like you land on a, on a new area you talk to this one person at the start and then you just kind of let loose for the thing but yeah you're right it was kind of par for the course i guess but the yeah. way this game dresses it up it kind of wants to be so I, I'm for me, it wasn't par for the course. And I think I said this before. I don't like comparing the games, but like uh, like a, a game like Banjo-Kazooie, which is a game that came out before this one. And I know that development cycles don't go, well, we're finished with this game. Let's make the next. Like, I, I understand they were being developed at the same time. But that game, I felt like when I was dropped into an area, there was a clear set of characters that was telling what if mm. I dropped, got dropped yeah, into yeah. the Gobi, like the Gobi Valley, there was I had to go see this camel. I had to go see the Sphinx. I had to, you know, like mm. I knew yeah. anytime I'd walk around a corner, there would be something would spin up. They'd be like, hey, come see me if you want to, you know, like uh, this. I just didn't feel any of that. And I think yeah. partially maybe that's intentional if they were going for the Metroid like kind of feel, because that is very yeah. much a game about that. Hey, just go. Hey, there's all these doors. You can't get in some of them. Go figure it out. Um, yeah. So maybe that was more intentional. It's, the, it's but... that, and it's it's the it's the fact that most of these areas are kind of designed like combat arenas. Yeah, that's true too. Yep. Yeah. But you know, the, the, there's enough cutscenes in this game to kind of feel like it should have something to grab onto in terms of a narrative. And I think you know, I, I say part of the course, but I'm I'm kind of saying like Perfect Dark as well for me has all these cutscenes. Yeah. I don't I don't really remember other yeah. than uh, you know a kind of a floating laptop. I don't really remember a lot about the story either. <laughs> in that. Or, and, and there an was alien an alien, right? Really yeah, there's irre- an alien. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Like there's so many cutscenes within these games that I just you just think, well, and you know, I'm not one for story in games as a as a as a first thing, a primary. It's never there like, oh, I'm here for the story. Unless the story is like Last of Us, for example. But in Jet yeah. Force Gemini, like they have these great cutscenes, but nothing's being said and i think, <laughs> I th- I think these cutscenes in jet force gemini are more intended to sort of set the scene mm. for uh for for the, the type of locale that you're visiting and you know the the, the threat level there yeah and, uh, what's going yeah. on with the natives and, uh, and that sort of stuff that that is true mm-hmm. i didn't think about the the perfect dark comparison but you're absolutely right that happens in that game all the time even to the point where you're in those levels that are just at the data dine headquarters where there's no even combat you just have to do those story parts and, and Jeff force Gemini is kind of even missing those sections to kind of flesh out any yeah. story that is there. Um, but yeah, I, I do, yeah. I, I do uh, remember kind of thinking that there wasn't a whole lot to it, even at the time. I, I guess that's why we don't remember the characters as such, right? Because there's no, <laughs> there's nothing to grab onto yeah. the tangible thread of yeah, it. It's not, it's not an unfair thing to remark as well, because on mm. the uh, other side, you had the, the, the PlayStation with lots of, uh, more you know, story-based games with lots of expensive cutscenes and FMV and that sort of thing. So yeah, yeah, interesting. It just you know the the kicking of the bucket. You reminded me of like the the, the cutscenes in this game, and you know at the start of the game when the ship gets kind of taken yeah. down, and you they, know, the... they they get less and less, of course, as well. Mm. Like well, mm. most of the cutscenes are kind of front-loaded, right? And who's the um the robotic voice that kind of narrates the cutscenes at the start? Like you never really. Hear yeah. from that that thing again. Oh, yeah, it's 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 Sh- very strange. Ship's computer or something like that. I guess so. Yeah, <laughs> but it, it doesn't really happen enough for it to kind of. I, I guess that's just sign of the times. Yeah, we just got a robot voice to tell you how, what's going on <laughs> in each level, and then you move on. Yeah. But yeah, just something I thought I'd just pick up upon because if people got to the end of this podcast and gone, they didn't talk about the story at all. It's kind of like, <laughs> yeah, well, neither did they. Really so. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's right. It's also very referential. You know, I mean, yeah, you're right. The characters and the universe seem like they could do with some more fleshing out and some more narrative uh, traits. But on the other hand, this game is just so referential of other sci-fi media 
that mm. you sort of make up the story in your head as you go along as this uh, epic space opera kind of, kind yeah. of thing, you know? So you've you've seen it all before. You've you've heard it all before. But uh, yeah. Well, I can't believe it. We're here already. We're at the three word reviews, which you can do on the old uh, Twitter. And we're going to start with Brian and Simon Sloth's three word review. Simon Sloth says, now hate koalas. Aw. Wayward prophet. Ambitious space romp. Uh, Bearfish Pie says, ambitious, rare insecticide. Two times ambitious already. <laughs> mm. Dino Thrasher says, tank doggo best. I agree. Telepri says, very best dog. <laughs> and Rawchord says, heads come off. And here we have a special one from Desmond. Tribals called Quest. Oh, he just had to do it. He had to do it. And why didn't I think of that? <laughs> it's the best free word review. Everyone's failed apart from me. Tribal's called Quest is the best review. That, we need like Kane and Rince three word review of the year because that's the best one. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm, I know I'm biased, but that is the best one. So yeah, thanks for everyone who contributed uh, via the forum or via Twitter. It's very much appreciated. And uh, yeah. Um, yeah, no one mentioned the tribals in the free Oh, apart from the now hate koalas, then, you know, if you're going to suck off all koalas because of this game, then that's your problem, mate. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, to summarize our feelings of Jet Force Gemini, I didn't, I know Leon likes to go from like, you know, negative to positive or whatever, but I don't really know who or what or how. I think we all none feel of about us this. are super positive, but my, I might, I sense, still have the, those kind of the warmest feelings hmm. uh, yeah. for this game. So yeah, um, Brian, go for it. Yeah, so I uh, just kind of what Mikhail just said. I this game has a has that place in that history of the N sixty four. Like it, um, like I when I think of the Nintendo sixty four, like like I'm not sure how I would rank Jet Force Gemini as like one of the games of the system. It would be in the top, whatever. I'm not really sure, but it definitely is one of those quintessential experiences of that console for me. Like it just that's a game that I feel like belongs on that console. It, w- it wouldn't feel right anywhere else. Mm-hmm. It doesn't feel right anywhere else. Um, and it it really has a lot of things going for it. I think the action's very good. I think it's I think it's it's fun it's just to play. It's fun to look at, um, which I've said a lot. It just I like everything about the look and 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 generally the feel of the game, aside from the manual aiming. But it just didn't. It just fell through on the character part for me, and that's and that is not a failure. I don't think on the game's part, but just in kind of what I was expecting from the next rare game. And uh, and yeah, I just I think like you revisit this. This is a really great game to go back and look at. Like if you're someone who wants to just kind of you know like where like a snapshot of where were 3D video games in 1999 like this is a great game to look at and be like this is what they were trying this is what was capable on the Nintendo console like what like where were things going to go and you can really see kind of the landscape of some action shooters like or you know three, especially uh, third person shooters um like there's a lot of DNA we already talked about Ratchet and Clank but in like of like Jack and Dexter and like where that series went and like a lot of other mm-hmm. types of games like like the DNA from those games definitely comes from what Jet Force Gemini was trying to accomplish so it was very fun to revisit from what I got through um, I don't really have any drive to go back and collect all the tribals again I'm very very close so I probably will do it just to tick it off tick it off my list but I think from this point on it'll just be one of those things where I'll come back to every once in a while play through the first couple levels and say that was fun and then and then put it back on the shelf so for me uh yeah i i think uh, jeff was gemini for me is kind of somewhere in the middle in terms of like the rare library of games you know uh, i really appreciate that they went out and you know they made a brand new ip i really like it when you know rare especially come out with new ideas you know 
even though Sea of Thieves and Everwild, you're thinking, well, where's the next Perfect Dark? Like, you, there's no denying that whenever they try something new, you're going to get something interesting to come out of it. And, uh, you know, Jet Force Gemini was, was certainly had its moments and it definitely, you know, piqued my interest at points. It was just kind of, it's just from more of a, an over kind of, uh, uh, as a, as a, as a piece of work, as a game, it's kind of a bit like, yeah, you know, when you actually get down and you actually understand what the controls are, it is a fun game to play, but there's just too much around it that kind of just either I, I forget about, or it's just, it's just too much of a hurdle to get over. I.e., the, the tribals. Yeah. It's, um, it's not my favorite game of all time, but it's definitely better than a lot of stuff that appeared on the N64. Like it does hold up. It is a playable game and it is, um, you know, it looks great and it sounds fantastic. I just kind of wish it was kind of the um the kinks ironed out a bit more before they they pushed it out to into a final product because there is a there is a brilliant game in there somewhere it's just held back by a few frustrating ideas such as the controls and the tribals so yeah um I, I enjoy playing it on the Xbox One you know and I was aiming for completing rare replay so to speak with the Stampers Forever achievement so I was definitely gunning to beat Miser for the second time and I do I do recall the tribals with the knowledge of them being what they are, you know, a hundred percent or nothing is still a, a harsh thing, but I do remember actually finding the fun in finding the tribals. And I never thought I'd say that about this game. So I always wrote <laughs> yeah. it off as like, I'm never playing that again. Cause it's awful. But like when it came around to the Xbox one version, I was like, actually there's something quite enjoyable about finding these collectibles in like, you know, fluffy bear form, even if it is at times really frustratingly punishing. And we have Mr. Man from um, the Netherlands, Mikhail. Yes. Um, yeah, as I said in the beginning, the idea of uh, sort of a 3D N64-styled take on um, old-school run-and-gun Contra-like games, sort of uh, shoot 'em up y really appealed to me back uh, when Jet Force Gemini came out. And I was all over this. And yeah, I just think it falls apart in the downtime, the dead time, and the exploration aspects of it. It doesn't quite fit as neatly as you'd want it to, because the idea is not without merit, of course, to marry those two genres, as we've uh, mm. as we've established before. It just doesn't really pull it off. And you go from incredible, incredible high-octane uh, action moments to moments of complete and utter boredom, personally. That, which is how I feel. Mm. Um, yet, I still love so much about my memories and just the experience of playing the best bits of the game that I can't just, you know, write it off as a whole. Uh, it's still, for, for, for its best moment, it still has a special place in my heart, which is why you'll never just hear me slack uh, Death Force Gemini off. It's It's always something that I do... You know, there's a there's a lot to like about this game. Mm -hmm. It's just unfortunate that it doesn't it didn't really pull off what I expected it to do, and that it felt like, oh, you know, we have to make this a collectathon as well. We have to make this exploration based because it's a a rare N64 game, and that's what people have come to expect from us now. And the action, if if you want the thing that I described. On the N64, you would have, of course, be much better off with uh, a game that was released a year later, Sin and Punishment, which sadly never mm. came out on the N64 in the West. But that's yeah, some some real 
like arcade style third person running and gunning for you uh, by the uh, masterminds of treasure. Um, but that doesn't that still doesn't tell the whole story because as Brian also said, the seats for the third person shooter were also sewn with this game, and it does have that. You know, it's different in a sense from your uh, arcade style shooter in that you have a lot of lot of a lot of weapons uh, and uh, you know a lot of more FPS uh, type dynamics going on in the combat that you won't get with something like Banish- Sin and Punishment. So it's it's not all set with that, but uh, yeah, that's not all that uh, you can you can't reduce it to just to just that. So yeah, in in total. A very mixed experience, Jet Force Gemini is, uh, but uh, the good bits are really good. Hmm. Well, there we go. Jet Force Gemini, eh? Just uh, hovering around the middle like lupus in, I don't know, <laughs> some sort of state. I, I tried to cram in a reference, it didn't quite work. But yeah, um, yeah, I think we're all in some sort of agreement there. Jet Force Gemini, good stuff, just not up there with the best. Uh, so it remains for me. Darren Gargett to thank Brian and Mikhail, editor Jay, and all the correspondents, and of course you for listening. Uh, yeah, next time in issue four four one, we are finally talking about that mysterious beast that is PT. Mm-hmm.